Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Now, Kevin, I am in no way, shape, or form, and I'm being serious here. I'm saying this out of irony, not out of flippancy. I'm not literally not making light of or trying to be funny here. But you, Kevin Bowen, have said numerous times on this program that you don't believe in jinxes, right? I do not. No, I do not believe in jinxes. Like the month of May, you're like, oh, it looks great for the weather forecast, you know, that kind of thing. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong in this, but if I'm not mistaken, in the last two days of this program, one being on Friday and then the other being yesterday, that being a Monday, you said, you know, how long has it been since we've seen any of the Colts in the headlines for the wrong side of things? And then yesterday you were like, you know, OTAs, the good news is there's not a lot to talk about other than just kind of evaluating where players are. And I say that not because you're right on both counts. I mean, I'm not mocking it, but it is incredibly like, whoa, that then all of a sudden on what was thought to be just kind of a routine Tuesday, we've got a pretty big storyline invo- involving a cult. Whether it's the entire franchise, I, I don't. I mean, it's going to affect the franchise. Whether it's more than one player, for right now that doesn't appear to be the case. But a pretty big storyline that comes out yesterday involving Isaiah Rogers. Yeah, Jake, I, something that I've said, I, probably dating back to David Perry flipping a golf cart in Arizona, whenever that was, 2016, 2017, something like that. Uh, the Colts seem to want to hang a banner for a lot of things that maybe aren't the most banner-worthy moments. I've always said, hang the banner for not showing up on the ESPN ticker. They're very rarely, if ever, on the bottom of that ESPN ticker. And usually when you're on it, that means something has happened off the field. And they were certainly on it yesterday afternoon with the report that was originally from SportsHandle.com. I'm sitting there getting my hair cut yesterday afternoon and Darren Ravel fires off this tweet. And at the time, Jake, the player was not identified. And Eddie Garrison, who... You know, produces the Noon to 3 show right now, and even you and I had a conversation pretty early. And I don't know what this says about Isaiah Rogers, but when Eddie goes, all right, two guesses on who the player was, Rogers is one of the two guesses. It just, it didn't stun me that he was the one. Obviously, it's not something that, like, I knew about. I did find it a bit odd that in the two open OTA sessions each of the last two weeks, um, Rogers has not participated in the 11 on 11 practices. So I think that's one of the questions I have. There's a lot of questions that I have to your point. Is it isolated? It appears that it is, but we obviously have to find that out because the Detroit lions thing from a couple months ago, wasn't isolated at all. Uh, when did the Colts know? I mean, they drafted three cornerbacks. I think the Colts found out yesterday. Yeah, I don't think that this is something they've knew, known for a long, long time. But again, why didn't he participate in OTAs? Uh, they didn't sign a veteran corner, so that lends you to think that they maybe didn't know as much. Uh, and then, obviously, if this if these reports are somewhat true, whether he bet on the Colts, whether he bet for or against the Colts, you release him once you confirm everything. He's got one year left on his contract. You release him. We'll see if the punishment is six games. We'll see if the punishment's a year. We'll see if it's longer. But you just flat out release him. And if you preach character and you're about that, Isaiah Rogers has played his last game in Colts uniform. So yesterday, Kevin, 
And the only reason I share it in this form is because it turned out to be true. So thus, I would assume that everything that was told to me was true. So let me tell you what I was told yesterday, because there's a key component to it. Uh, and by the way, good morning, everybody. It is a Tuesday. That's Kevin Bowen. I'm Jake Quarry. Mark Dykton here as well. It's Kevin and Quarry here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Uh, Zaire Franklin's going to join us on today's program of the Colts. And as well, Steph Wilson uh, wanted to said, you know what? He's getting ready. He is finally go- heading home after his accident in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and wanted to be able to talk to fans. He'll do that at 9 o'clock. Yesterday at about 11.30, I got a text message from someone I know that said, hey, I found out yesterday that the latest NFL gambling investigation has a member of the Colts. Not sure if it's more than one. It should break in the next day or couple of days. But it seems as though a suspension is imminent. So I was like, how reliably did you hear it? Very reliably. The player has known since February, but still participated in OTAs. But I believe the Colts are just finding out, and they will have three days to release or respond. Um, and then... Boy, if you're the player and you've known since February and you've withheld that from the team, that's probably not a good thing. So my understanding as well is that yesterday when initially asked about it, that the highest of the high executives of the Colts were like, wait a minute, we're, we're learning this information as you are. We, we, we are unaware of this. And then they, And then what was interesting to me was and I totally understand from a legal standpoint typically the Colts response is going to be we are still gathering the evidence right. you know whatever right. well then Isaiah Rogers just comes out and says yep yeah should we read that statement yeah so here's the statement from Isaiah Rogers yesterday he posted this on social media yeah late last night addressing the current reports I want to take full responsibility for my actions I know I have made mistakes and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to repair the situation The last thing I ever wanted to do was to be a distraction to the Colts organization, my coaches, and my teammates. I've let people down that I care about. I made an error in judgment, and I'm going to work hard to make sure that those mistakes are rectified through this process. It's an honor to play in this, excuse me, it's an honor to play in the NFL, and I have never taken that lightly. I am very sorry for all of this, end quote. Jake, um, I I find myself... It's pretty hard for me to have much sympathy for him, to be totally honest with you. Um, I think all of us either work or have worked in jobs where we don't agree with every single rule that the company has. And is it awkward? Is it murky? Is it confusing that the NFL is in bed with multiple gambling partnerships? Hell, the Super Bowl played in Arizona last year. The stadium is attached to a sports book. So all of it is weird and a bit murky and a bit awkward, but you know full well the rules that you when you sign on the dotted line, what comes with that and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. And the fact that if you believe the initial report that he had someone placing these bets for him, he clearly knew that that was wrong, what he was doing. I mean, if he didn't think he was doing anything wrong, he just would have placed the bets himself. And so it's to me, it's pretty simple. The laws are don't bet on don't bet at the facility, don't bet on the NFL, and especially don't bet on your team. And these twenty five to fifty dollar bets, around a hundred of them, is that worth 
giving up a $2.2 million contract here and a if we were going to list the the top five, seven players on the Colts roster that had the best opportunity to cement themselves in the NFL to be a mainstay for this football team in the next three to four years, Rodgers would have been close to the top of the list given the position he plays, given the point in his career, all of those things. The two things here. I've been told that there may be more that comes out. And I don't mean other players. I mean more information regarding the situation with Isaiah Rogers beyond just he put $25 and $50 here and there on an app. I, I don't know that for certain. I've been told that there is belief that more will come out. Let's put it that way. Um, I totally get what you're saying, Kevin, and I, I agree with you in regards to the NFL has kind of put themselves in a sticky situation. But then I got to thinking about it, and I thought, you know what? If you're a bartender, and you're serving drinks to people all night long, you are also under the understanding that it is the assumption of your owners that you yourself are not consuming those drinks while you're working. And it's kind of the same thing. If you are an athlete, you are under the understanding that people are utilizing your work towards gambling entertainment but it is an understood that your boss is under the impression that you will not be partaking in that yourself and i would assume contractually speaking it is very clear that you are to not be involved it is no doubt a slippery slope it is no doubt a disappointment for isaiah rogers as a player certainly um there's not much more you can say about it other than i i I do The other thing, Kevin, that I've always felt, and I felt this about Pete Rose, which is then opening an entire different can of worms we don't need to get into. but Peak July 10th content. That's right. But I have always heard this, and this has always been my thought on it. And that is, yeah, but if he's betting on his team, then that's going to make him play even harder and he's not compromising the game. But the thing that I've always said is, if an athlete bets on, on his team, then what does that tell people in the games when he's not betting on them? If Isaiah Rogers was placing wagers on the Colts to win in 10 of the 16 or 17, 10 of the 17, I have no idea how many games it was. I'm just speaking in hypothetical. Right. We, don't, we have no details on the Correct. types of bets. But if, it was, if in 10 of the games the Colts played, Isaiah Rogers was placing wagers on the Colts, then what does that tell you about the seven where he didn't? that he didn't believe they were going to win? And does that impact, believe it or not, and this sounds crazy to say, but believe it or not, one of the things that the NFL most wants is integrity for its gamblers. Without question. I mean, it wants... That's why you have an injury report. That's exactly that's exactly correct. So when you start having players that are not wagering on... Well, wait a minute. This guy's wagered on the Colts 10 times, and he's in the locker room, and he knows, and he didn't... He's not confident enough to wager on them this yeah, week? Yeah, to cover three against the Steelers, Correct. whatever. Yeah, That becomes an issue. I I guess I feel the need to note this, Jake, because when the play happened, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, there were about three Colts defensive backs on that play that looked like they just waved the white flag. They looked like they threw the game. And that was the final touchdown of the season by the Houston Texans. Do you remember that pseudo-Hail Mary the Texans threw? Where it looked like it just went right, the Colts players mistimed it in the end zone. Like it looked like a high, it looked like a JV team trying to defend a hail mary. 
I should note Isaiah Rogers was not on the field for that play. I. I I had some people kind of bringing that up yesterday to me, and Rodgers was inactive for the final two games of the season due to injury. Uh, Nine games he did start this past season for the Colts. Um, Good Tuesday morning to you. Certainly, we're going to hit on this topic a whole lot today. Um, As Jake mentioned, Zaire Franklin is going to join us at 8, and I do feel the need to mention that this Franklin interview is something that um, I set up with the Colts late last week, so this was not something that all of a sudden arose in the last 12, 24 hours. Um, we will ask Zaire about probably a little bit more of the educational side of what players uh, receive on that end with gambling. If I'm not mistaken, I believe there are signs literally in the locker room telling them that you are not allowed to do that. Like, you know, it, to me, it seems rather obvious, but it's not a topic we're going to hit on very long with Zaire. Again, the, the interview was planned with him before this. Um, I appreciate him and the Colts still allowing him to hop on with us. Um, but he is also a captain on this football team, and I do think he will um, you know, provide some good perspective, not only that, but just the offseason program in general. Um, you know, On the Rodgers front, Jake, more on him individually. Again, the final year of his rookie contract, for those unfamiliar with how these contract structures work, when you are a day three pick like Rodgers, he was a six-round pick out of UMass a few years ago, he made under $1 million annually each of his first three years. The contract rises to north of $2 million this year. So if you are a day three draft pick like him and you reach year four, the final year of that rookie deal, that is by far your biggest payday you've had so far in the NFL. So he was due a, and I guess I should speak in the present tense still, he is due a, a, a really nice payday for this fourth NFL season. You couple that with the depth chart at corner, he is easily the second most experienced corner of anybody on the roster. And you consider what a contract year means for a day three pick. Zaire Franklin's a great example of it, Jake. He was a seventh rounder. You get to a second contract as a day three draft pick, you've quote unquote made it in the NFL. You have gotten to that, you know, probably year four, five, maybe even six in the NFL. Uh, that is a huge, huge element financially, all of those things. Um, so for all of those reasons, Isaiah Rogers has a huge year in front of him, individually, contractually, and the Colts need him. The Colts drafted three rookie corners. Dallas Flowers is their biggest returner at corner, not named Kenny Moore. And again, Kenny Moore is more of a nickel and a slot. So for all those reasons, uh, this comes at a position group where the Colts are really, really in need of someone to emerge, some sort of veteran presence. Um, I guess... Last thing I will mention on the Rodgers and a punishment situation here, Jake. If I follow the Detroit Lions situation, and Detroit had five players involved, basically, if you bet on an NFL game, no matter the team, you were out for a year. That was the punishment handed down by the league with the Lions. If you did not bet on an NFL game, but did place a bet on another professional sports league at the team facility... It was six games. I think Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama, top 10 pick, he was he fell into that category where he bet at the team facility, which you're not allowed to do, on a separate professional sports league, and he got six games. Whereas the guys that got a full year, or in Calvin Ridley's case, when he got a full year, he bet on NFL games. Again, no matter your team or not, that was the punishment there. So if we're trying to gauge what the punishment could look like here, if you bet on any NFL game, whether it was your own team or not, you're looking at least a year. So, 
and I would release him. But that's me. So, for example, if and I'm, we're going to speak just to not implicate any players into you know whatever, uh, Jim Smith. Okay, Jim Smith's a linebacker for an NFL franchise. Jim Smith has a an app that he wagers on games like all of us have or have discussed or talked about, whatever. And he's sitting at his locker one day. They got team meetings in a half an hour, and he's sitting there on Twitter, and he's messing around, and he scans over on his apps, and he opens up that app, and he looks at it, and he says, oh, my favorite baseball team has a home game tonight, and I really like them. And I'm going to go to B-dubs and watch the game. So he puts $20 on the baseball team, but he's sitting inside his locker in the facility. That is a violation of the stated and agreed upon NFL rules, correct? Correct. Which, again, we can disagree with that rule. He waits until he goes to the food court across the street and does it. He's No harm, no foul, right? He's good. And again, we can debate those rules, but those are the rules that are laid out. And... um, you know, part of me sits here and looks at this Rodgers situation. Jake, if he bet for the Colts last year, would you call him the most loyal Colt of all time or would you call him the dumbest Colt of all time? Now say that again. If Isaiah Rodgers was betting for the Colts in games last season, would you call him the most loyal Colt of all time and build a statue for him or would you call him the dumbest Colt of all time for thinking the Colts were going to win? <laughs> Fair. Um dumbest for sure i mean this vikings game is a lock no way we're losing <laughs> halftime goes over to the phone to make sure he can fire one i, I just you know what to me you, you all i know this sounds harsh but jake i just cut him for the stupidity more than anything if you really want to do this you can make it work you can to your point jake go to the food court have your call your buddy once you get home to your apartment and say John, go ahead and bet on this for me and swear John to secrecy. Or, hey, Farkas, place this bet and no one's ever going to know about it. I think that scenario is yet to be unearthed. And I think at that point you might see that, that then all of a sudden you've got a hornet's nest. And you mean that like there's more than one player involved? No, like that he might have been involved in. I don't know this, but I think that there is probably some investigation as to the depth in which, because if you have a CDL license and your livelihood is based on driving a semi-truck, speeding tickets are more detrimental to you than if you're a guy driving down 31 and you're 10 miles over the limit in your Honda Accord, right? And however, if you have a CDL license and you are a an automobile driver for a living, whether the ticket is for 35 over or 15 over, it's still a ticket on your record that goes against your employment, you know, record. And in this case, I I think we would like to think that he simply is a guy that was caught doing 15 miles over in his Honda Accord. I worry that actually he is a CDL driver who had a number of fairly large speeding tickets. You know, Jake, one of the things I've always thought about 
players in, in these gambling situations, outside of just betting for or against your team, I felt like one of the biggest areas where players could provide insight, intel, whatever, to their friends, to their family members about games is more on the individual player bets. You know, How many times do we sit here on a Friday and we say, boy, guys, Michael Pittman over under four and a half catches. Don't you just hammer that over? And if you are a player, in Isaiah Rogers' case, you have practiced all week long. You've seen the offensive game plan. You have seen, oh, wow, they want to feature Naheem Hines big time this week. Or uh, they say Jonathan Taylor is limited in practice. He's not practicing. He's going to be really scaled back on Sunday. So then you go to your little player prop section, and that's where I feel like you can really, in a little bit more of a discreet fashion, because you're not betting necessarily the money line on the team or the spread on the team, but you're still doing these player props where, oh yeah, I know Alec Pierce has been featured a lot in practice this week. I'm taking the over on Alec Pierce. That's where I felt like guys could do this a little bit more, I don't know, somewhat under the radar. You um, you know, when I was in college, Kevin, and this was when I was in college, sports gambling was still a very taboo thing. Now, I'm not saying taboo like people didn't do it. I'm saying like you didn't have the the legality or the 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 tolerance for it like you have now in the apps and everything else, right? I was sitting in my apartment in Bloomington, and there was a basketball player for Indiana who lived in the complex it was not my roommate but lived in the complex or near the complex where i lived was in and out a lot and there was a guy also in my apartment complex everybody knew in college like you probably had a guy like this kevin that there was like a guy that just hung around that was from like an indiana town and didn't go to iu or didn't go to ball state or didn't go to indiana state or whatever but was like his parents thought he was in school oh yeah and he was just oh, yeah. hanging out uh-huh. like his nickname was like pops and he yeah. was like 26 there was time, i'm like are you paying rent <laughs> you know what i mean so there was a guy like that that was a bookie that lived in my apartment complex everybody knew he was a bookie this really fits the bill keep on going with this one everybody knew it right and so one day one of the basketball players in indiana was in our apartment and there's a knock at the door and we open the door and it's like oh that's the guy that i think is a bookie and he looks at said player and says listen you had a great game last game i kid you not and right there hands him 500 dollars in cash he goes i want you to have this and then there's more where that came from if you just keep me abreast on when you guys are dinged up or when you have tough games coming up, or if you continue to play well, there's always more where that came from. And I'm standing there like, holy cow. And this player, who was a player of fairly decent prominence at Indiana, I I kid you not, and I would put my hand on the good book, as they say in Shawshank Redemption, and, and tell you this, that I'm not lying at all, looked right at him and said, I don't ever want to see you again. I no way I'm doing that and I couldn't of course I'm sitting there thinking like well hell I'll take it but he looked at him and was like there is no way I'm doing that like I don't ever want to see you again and don't ever mention something like that to me again and that was it and I witnessed the whole thing but at that time Kevin that was like my peek behind the curtain where I'm like and that was 30 years ago before any of this and I'm like this stuff is everywhere yeah well I mean 
Paul Horning, right, Jake? Alex Karras? Yeah. You go back, was it, 62, 63 season? Suspended for a year. I mean, again, right. the accessibility of mobile apps and the NFL in bed with gambling partners is a whole lot different some 60 years later. But let's not act like we just woke up today and this is prevalent. It's more prevalent because the accessibility is obviously through the roof. I just, I, it's hard for me to get past the, this man has jeopardized a 2.5, whatever he's due, $2.4 million contract here, a chance to earn a two or three year contract as a six round draft pick for $25 and $50 bets. I know. I, 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 I hate to use the word stupid, but, but the stupidity level of that, I cannot get past. Kevin, I also understand, In I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, but to play devil's advocate, I also understand that if you are a 25-year-old player in the National Football League, you're three years removed from college, and you're in a world where you're surrounded by the promotion, advertising, and endorsement of these sorts of, uh, of you know, all the gambling stuff... And it, it, you are desensitized to it. You, you're like, everybody but the, but does there's this. there's signs in the locker room. I, I get and, it. And, and I totally get your it. Your agent better be educating you to the nth but degree. He's probably, David Thornton's got to be doing that inside the Colts building. Like, I, I would have almost more sympathy, Jake, if it was a six-month rookie. It was a guy six months into his rookie career. I mean, Isaiah Rogers has been in the league for this you know, fourth season. A, a, again, I want to make very clear here. I'm not in any way, shape, or form endorsing or know, excusing this, but the problem is this, and this is what I always said, Kevin, about Michael Jordan. When Michael Jordan had huge gambling debts, and people are like, who cares? Michael Jordan's worth $500 million at that time. And I'm like, you don't understand. Michael Jordan owing a guy $1,500 is nothing to Michael Jordan, but it's a lot to the guy he owes $1,500 to. In Isaiah Rogers' case, a $25 or $50 bet is literally the nickel slots to you or me in Vegas. We don't even stop and play at them because it's just like, eh, it's a waste of my time. What am I going to win? Five bucks? And to Isaiah Rogers, he probably was thinking to himself, these are the nickel slots. I can get away with this. Who cares? 25 bucks. And then the next day, it's, I mean, I put down a $25 bet. I'll do two today. Who cares? You know, Wednesday, I did two of them. I'll do three today. Who cares? And then before you know it, you're in a hornet's nest. And Hell yeah, I'm taking Matt Ryan over two and a half interceptions. Did you see him yesterday in right, practice? Right. I mean. Things I'm looking for today, Jake, or I should say in the coming week, and feel free to add anything more to this. NFL slash Colts, do we get more of a statement on either of those ends? Uh, again, the NFL has been serving the punishments for this. Um, we are scheduled to hear from Shane Steichen tomorrow. That is the next open OTA session. So, again, we're going to have Zaire Franklin on at 8. We'll ask Zaire kind of an initial question about that, and then we'll move on to other stuff. We appreciate the Colts and Zaire for continuing to kind of hold true to the interview that they um, agreed to uh, late last week, but it's not something we'll hit on too, too long with him. Um, other Topics we can get into a little bit later today. Trace Jackson Davis seemed pretty um, pleased with his workout yesterday. By all accounts, I know the Arizona kid he was going up against was really complimentary of how Trace shot it in that workout with the Pacers. The Pacers have probably their most intriguing group workout of the day. I would say a couple of top 20 type picks in the building coming up later today, so we can touch on that. And then Indiana State, Jake, they are the lone, I should say they are the most northern team left of the 16 remaining 
in the NCAA baseball bracket. They are off to TCU. And boy, there's some brouhaha about that. And the fact that they are hitting the road um, because TCU was not a regional host. TCU upset Arkansas in that Fayetteville regional. So technically, Indiana State would host this, but they... Um, are not able to due to hotel and staffing situations. We'll chat more about that. Um, I think it'll be this weekend, Saturday, I would guess, maybe even Friday, that they'll start game one of that three-game series. It's a really hot TCU team that Indiana State's going to play as they try to go to Omaha. So we can touch on that. Uh, Zaire Franklin coming up at 8 o'clock. Steph Wilson at 9 o'clock. I thought it was a ha- uh, a tad hazy coming into work this morning. You know morning. what that is, don't you? This is awful. I didn't. I did not realize this until this morning. I heard about it. No, I did not. Uh, wildfires in Canada. What you're seeing in the air is the smoke from the wildfires in Canada. Wow, I and noticed that. In Alberta, Canada, which is like north of Montana. I kid you not. I guess I was driving. Well, I'm driving south, coming down here, but I noticed it more south of the city. I guess I could have turned around. And it, but that's what I, I. I'm in agreement with you. I heard that this morning. I thought really, and then I was driving down, and I'm like, holy cow, there really is like smoke in the air. Interesting. Yep. Uh, we'll talk a lot about the Isaiah Rogers situation. If you guys have thoughts, K Bowen 1070 on Twitter at jQuery on Twitter as well. Again, Zaire Franklin, top of the eight o'clock hour. Steph Wilson. That's nine o'clock, right, guys? Yep. Correct. Nine o'clock for Steph Wilson. Uh, it is a nice start, though, to this Tuesday morning here in Indianapolis. Kevin Aquari on 93.5-1075, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5-1075, The Fan. Major League Baseball yesterday was the Cincinnati Reds. How about Andrew Abbott's Major League debut? 2-0 over the Atlanta Braves. One hit, six innings. I don't see Mark playing the let's make fun of the Reds mm-hmm. button, especially nope. when the Reds win and his Cubs yesterday blanked oh, by the pods, 5 okay. nothing. That's okay. That's okay. Can't go 162-0. Well, Can't do it. I believe the Reds have a better record than the Cubs. Yeah, it's June. Uh, Rays over the Red Sox yesterday, and it was Houston 11-4 over Toronto. Light day in Major League Baseball, right? Yeah, light Monday. Indians again back at home this week. I believe Quentin Nelson, uh, the Colts have an event out there on Thursday. So if you're looking to see Big Q out there, gates open at uh, 6 o'clock coming up on Thursday. You want another swish? I just did one. There's another I, one. I didn't, I'm not hearing him. I'm not oh, hearing you, him. Are you, are you uh, still work here, Mark? Up. <laughs> Last time the Stanley Cup final, a lot of goals and a lot of fights. Uh, Vegas, 7-2 winners. They have been dominant in these first two games. 12 goals scored by Vegas so far. That is the most through two games in Stanley Cup final history. I thought I saw over a 140 minutes of penalties last night in Game 2. Hell yeah. Right? Did you watch? Fighting goals. Watched a little bit, and then Mark and I were talking about it before you got in, Jake. I mean, you just you could tune it out by what? Second period? It was over. By the way, yesterday we had mentioned this. I only mentioned this in the check down because it had relevance to a, a kind of a blip discussion yesterday that we had. It appears San Diego is set to become the newest MLS expansion franchise. Uh, that is because one of the investors involved agreed to pay apparently the MLS franchise expansion fee of $500 million. So we were talking yesterday about what it would cost for the Indy 11 to become an MLS franchise. Uh, if you're going off of that, off the report, half a billion. Ursaw got that in his pocket? We're going to have a, a really nice stadium for a USL soccer team. It would make 
Have they been public about wanting to be in the MLS? I I haven't followed it as closely as probably I should. Uh, yeah, I think that part of the because I feel like if they really wanted to be in the MLS, I would hear like tons and tons of news. Part about of that. the stadium. Well, when you're talking about a stadium complex that's a billion dollars, uh, that seats twenty thousand people. The the and you, to your point, Kevin. I don't know that the Indy Eleven have been the ones that have specifically said this will help us get into the MLS. But like the the fan base certainly is like we got to do this so that we can get them into the MLS. And when you consider that there are already five franchises within a five hour drive of Indianapolis in the MLS, and there is a five hundred million dollar expansion fee precedent, I would say the odds are slim that the Indy Eleven go to the MLS. Among uh, along with the uh, Isaiah Rogers news from yesterday, the Colts did sign a veteran wideout. We'll chat more about that on the other side. Again, Zaire Franklin going to join us at 8 o'clock, coming up here in a bit. Kevin Aquari on a Tuesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We will talk plenty about the Isaiah Rogers situation as we did for the first essentially 40 minutes of the show there and will continue to do so over the course of the morning. The other story yesterday that... Um, it was pretty big. I mean, if it weren't for the Isaiah Rogers situation, probably would have been one of the bigger storylines. I know JMV, understandably so, has been all over this story. But that is the fact that, and it's un, it is very unfortunate. Kudos to Indiana State Baseball, for sure, for their continuation here in the College World Series and the March to Omaha. But it is disappointing, obviously, that they are not going to be able to host when that team and that program have earned the right to host here in the Super Regional, and instead they're going to be on the road. Yeah, and I would say unfortunate is probably the word to use, Jake. I, I don't, I, I'm not going to sit here and just all of a sudden rip Indiana State, whatever, the athletic department, the, I don't know, the Terre Haute tourism, whoever else people want to blame. The reason for this, it appears, is due to hotel and staffing issues. Um, coming up this weekend, Terre Haute will host the 51st, I believe it's the 51st annual uh, State Summer Special Olympics. Um, just an awesome, awesome event. Been fortunate to be involved with Special Olympics. It is so cool to see these athletes just share in that joy. And this is a massive event. Um, 3,000 athletes, over 1,500 volunteers. I mean, when you have 3,000 athletes, Jake, think about how many people are associated with each of those athletes, whether right. it's a coach, whether it's a family member, whether it's friends. It's a big deal. It, it, it's a big event. Great on Terre Haute for being able to host this. Obviously, it's a prior obligation to it. I, I, should we just be ripping the athletic department again or the city of tourism because they should have had the foresight to see Indiana State in a super regional? I, I just can't go there. Um, there are some questions I have, you know, could you have tried to play the Super Regional in Bloomington or in West Lafayette? Um, you know, obviously IU could have been in it. They aren't with them losing last night. Um, they would have been on the road, I think, at, I, I at actually, LSU anyways. 
Kevin, I actually thought about Victory Field. Well, Victory looked, Field has games. I know. And then I looked, and the Indians are home. Yeah. So game. I thought, you know, could you go down to Evansville? I know, I know Bossy Field's a really iconic place down there. Um, but basically, Arkansas was supposed to be the Super Regional host. They were the three seed. Indiana State was the 14. Arkansas lost to TCU. So then Indiana State became the host on paper. And then once it was deemed that from a hotel staffing standpoint, they could not handle that that's why they will be in fort worth coming up this weekend so he, i i just chalk it up to more as a bummer i i don't think at least in my opinion i i'm not one that's just absolutely gonna rip indiana state i i'm sure they exhausted everything i'm sure they thought about it send you know emails out to alumni and saying hey can we put you know the tcu kids in the dorms but then you've got ncaa personnel you've got espn personnel that are we put on the games it sounds like staffing was a real issue which i assume a lot of people are involved in the um in the special olympics um so yeah here is the statement from indiana state and i realized i believe yesterday their coach was on with jmv and said that it was an issue and i think that there is and i think that that there were a lot of people because i was told originally yeah they can't host because their stadium is too small that was kind of the initial thought This is from the Indiana State Athletic Department last night. Quote, we'd like to take a a moment to thank all our fans, supporters, and the entire Terre Haute community for the amazing outpouring of support the past weekend at the Terre Haute Regional. Due to prior commitments, accommodations not available, and the community preparing to welcome Indiana Special Olympics for the 51st year, we are unable to host the NCAA Super Regionals in the coming week. There are a variety of factors that come into play with the competition for resources and staff with the potential for multiple large-scale events occurring in the area simultaneously and due to NCAA limitations on hotel distance from the field, there's a lack of hotel space to handle the accommodations required to house the visiting team, the support staff for the games, and the ESPN production crew that would be in attendance. Finally, the personnel to run the event is a factor we must consider. After housing the Missouri Valley, excuse me, after hosting the Missouri Valley tournament at the Terre Haute Regional in back-to-back weeks, keeping additional staff available that are not already working with Special Olympics has affected our potential workforce for another large-scale operation. Then it goes on, we have a great relationship with Special Olympics coming to Terre Haute. We welcome them to our community this weekend and look forward to putting on another great event for them this year. I, I would say this. I know it's terribly disappointing for the Ball State baseball community and their fans. Indiana and, State. Or, uh, did I say Ball State? Yeah. Excuse me. Indiana State. And and I absolutely appreciate and respect that the players, the staff, the coaching staff at Indiana State deserves and earned the right to host those games. At the same time, Part of the lessons of college is about learning how to deal with and learn from situations in real life. College is about preparation for real life. And in real life, sometimes things get thrown your way beyond your own control, and you have to then adjust and make the best of the situation. I commend Indiana State for and for and the city of Terre Haute, as you had said, Kevin, for realizing that their priority and their prior commitment because what you learn in life is that it's important to stand by your commitments 
their commitments and and everything are towards the special olympics that was already arranged to be there and that is a an unfortunate circumstance and a huge disappointment for those players that deserved the right to host but sometimes life throws you a curveball or the stars just don't align and you have to adjust it's a bummer Um, it is now it sounds like they're going to be playing quite the hot baseball team tcu has won eight straight uh, the runs scored for the Horn Frogs in those eight games, 16, 14, 6, 12, 12, 20, and 12. That's quite the team they're going to be facing this weekend. Again, got to win two or three to go to Omaha. So Indiana State to Fort Worth for that one. Uh, Indiana losing last night 4-2 to Kentucky. Left, I my guess, is 1 million runners on base in that one. Uh, so Kentucky That's a advances. Lot. Yeah. Um, had chances, certainly. Had two of them, I guess, when you think about the games against Kentucky. It was double, double elimination. Had two chances to beat Kentucky and move on to the Super Regional. They did not. Uh, you know, Zaire Franklin, by the way, going to join us here in about 10 minutes. That Colts million Hamburger. runners that, the, that IU left on base, if each one of them chips in 1000 bucks, we could pay off the soccer stadium. I thought you were going to go with Isaiah Rogers' joke there for a second. No. I, what are your questions, Rogers-related? Types of bets? Sure. When the Colts knew, like some clarity on that, those are probably the biggest ones for me. Odds it's an isolated incident. Yeah, the yeah the isolation aspect for sure. I, the, I think the initial report said it was isolated for what it's worth. I, I, I mean, I get that. And, and I say this as we could be talking about a any any sport. So I'm not saying this as any indictment on on the character or or a trend with the Colts in any way, shape, or form. I, I think that when, quite frankly, Kevin, when you are dealing with when you're dealing with how many players there's 52 players on the roster, then how many practice squad players? I think it's like 16 now. I think okay, and then guys on you know ir that you know whatever i mean let's say 70 when you're dealing with 70 young people between the ages of 21 and 35 for the most part that even though many of them may not have grown up around tremendous wealth that for the most part relative to the average person are their lifestyle is that of tremendous wealth and they also are engrossed in and involved in a society and a culture that has essentially been desensitized to gambling. Even though they are hit over the head every single day with, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. It is, to me, not surprising that they would be a little bit tone deaf as to the severity and the long-term implication or ramification of their actions when it relates to that topic based on the imperfect storm of age naivete and and detach from the reality gambling rules and gambling hotlines and all that gambling addiction runs rampant no matter what walk of life what level of income etc but a lot of those rules and policies and things like that are initially set up for the person that a $1,000 bet to them is a life-altering type thing. And I understand that for an NFL player, a 25 or $50 bet 
is like playing the nickel slots. And so they're desensitized to the fact that what they are getting involved in is something that has a, it's not a ripple in the canal. It is a boulder splashing into it. And I understand the naivete there. And risking it all on a 25 or 50. Totally understand. Totally understand. It would, I believe the law of averages would say that he is not the only player to be involved in something like this. I mean, there's already precedent that he's not. That is not to say that it makes it right. It's to say that you wonder if this is just a beam of light coming through a door that's about to swing wide open. Can Zaire Franklin going to join us on the other side? Um, We'll ask Zaire initially about just kind of a little bit more on the educational front of how players are informed about the gambling policy for the league, the do's and the don'ts of it. Uh, But certainly the majority of the interview will be focused a little bit more on the offseason program, where things stand so far for the Colts and Zaire heading into his sixth NFL season. So he joins us on the... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Other side, Kevin Aquari here on a Tuesday. The 8 o'clock hour is underway in Indianapolis. My name is Jay Quarry, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. As we talked about for the first hour, the, obviously the big story within the Colts is that of Isaiah Rogers, who yesterday um, admitted to, confessed to, issued a statement about the fact that he is the player investigated for gambling by the National Football League. And joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline as part of uh, actually an arranged and scheduled interview for a couple of days now to talk about OTAs is one of the captains for the Colts, Zaire Franklin. And... Zaire, let me begin by saying this. I am well aware of and respect the fact that this is an ongoing investigation. Thus, I think it would be a combination of arrogant and naive on my behalf to expect that you would have some sort of long, flowery discussion about it because it would be my assumption you probably can't talk a lot about an ongoing investigation. But since Isaiah Rogers has himself confessed to this, essentially, and apologized for it last night, I just wanted you to have the opportunity as a captain of the Colts to be able to to make a statement or or just respond, I guess, for the fans there in terms of what you can say about it. Um, yeah, so, you know, first off, good morning. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Um, that was a hell of a song selection, by the way. But um, Shout out Mark Dykin. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just, if, you know, regarding the situation with Isaiah, um, you know, obviously – Extremely unfortunate. Um, love Isaiah um, as a teammate, as a as a person. Um, great, great, great man, bro. Um, great father, uh, and uh, knowing just a genuinely good person. Um, but you know, made a mistake, and um, I just feel like you know, as far as the players go, and as far as like this next you know step of the league and the next you know phase of the league with the whole gambling being um you know prevalent um in our game today i just think just the more education um that we can get the more aware we are the more aware of our resources um that available you know from the league from the pa to the players um specific guidelines of what's going on um and you know to be honest it's just a really unfortunate situation um obviously um we care about him you know we hold him tight um you know he means a lot to us you know we're kind of regardless of how it goes um 
but you know I, it's just like I said it's a tough it's a tough situation obviously it's still an ongoing thing um, and, and it's just unfortunate to be honest with you Zaire I, I do want to move on but I am curious about the educational process um, and, and what you guys or how you learn about the NFL's gambling policy and things like that I believe there are some signs in your locker room that kind of indicate you know no no gambling especially on premise et cetera, et cetera. what is that process like for you guys in the off season or even in season in, in learning about what the league's uh, gambling policy is yeah, so, um, you know, not to really get too much into it, but, um, you know, I, this year we had a, a meeting uh, with con- with compliance, um, kind of just talking about, uh, you know, the do's and don'ts. Um, you know, I think it was just a lot of gray and maybe a little misunderstanding in some areas, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, what, like what a sports book is. And, you know, I got guys, on nobody even knows what a sports book is, you know what I mean? So, like, just kind of clarifying, like, stuff like that. Um, and just kind of talking through the guidelines of, you know, what we can and can't do as professional athletes and as members of the NFL. So um, they're doing their best to get the information out. Obviously, the PA is being very active, um, you know, with our reps coming into the locker room, having those conversations with the entire group and one-on-one combos in the, in the locker room as well. So, um, like I said, it's a new it's a new phase. It's a new element to the game. Um, and with that new element, we got to, you know, be conscious of the new guidelines and the new, um, you know, different things that kind of come along with that. Appreciate you fielding those two. Shifting gears to where you guys are at right now on June 6th. Again, Zaire Franklin with us here, heading into his sixth season. Captain for the Colts. He's with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Zaire, um, how would you describe maybe the mood right now for you guys on June 6th compared to where it was maybe last January, on January 6th? Oh, man. Uh, to be honest, man, it's just more fun, bro. Like it's it's hard to even describe. Like we just really just be having a good time. Um, energy in the practice um, is just is just I don't know. It's just exciting. Um, I think you know we got a lot of young guys, a lot of guys just looking to prove themselves, a lot of you know proven guys that's looking to you know re-solidify who they are in the league and and, and to our team. Um, and I, honestly, I just feel like you know with everybody counting us out, um, it's funny you look on TV and. You look at all this power rankings and stuff. I remember I'm um, 18 sitting in the lunchroom, uh, TV telling us that you know we're terrible, that luck is is, is done, and I'm, I'm, I'm Andrew's walking right behind me drinking a bowl of cereal, I think, <laughs> and we ranked 32. The next thing you know, we went 10 straight. So it's just it's so funny how the league goes, and it's understood. You know, you you kind of earn the reputation that you have. But I would just say right now, man, we just locked in having fun, just focus on getting better. It's just so much new energy, so much new um, new guys coming coming in, and just really looking forward to. Uh, you know, an opportunity to compete again this year. When you go into, like OTAs, for example, Zaire, Zaire Franklin is our guest. How much of that is, and, and this is going to sound such an elementary question, <laughs> how much of this time is just about, like, the bond, if you will, like mm-hmm. truly gaining teammates and getting to know one another so that then when it comes time for football action, there is a trust amongst one another. Um, I would say it, it's a, it plays a big part. Now, obviously, um, you know, repetition is king. You know, so the many reps as you can get as a team, as offense, as a defense, special teams, um, going over the, your schemes, working through different things. Obviously, it's a big thing for the coaches. They're putting in defenses, putting in plays. Um, you know, trying to figure out what works, trying to learn about the dynamic and actually the team that we have. So obviously that's priority number one. But I would say, um, you know, a major part of OTAs is something that we really haven't 
had a chance to really experience for the most part. Obviously, when COVID knocked everything off for a couple of years, um, it's really just, you know, guys just being in the building, you know, kind of getting into that routine early, um, getting acquainted with the city if you knew, um, kind of rebuilding it and reestablishing a routine if you've been around. And like you say, obviously just guys getting together, man. Um, that relationship that you build in the locker room, off the field, um, it can't help but translate over. Um, and I think we've been blessed to have a great locker room. Um, I specifically, you know, our linebacker room and our defense and stuff too. So um, we've always been very close. And obviously, just through the ups and downs of things that we're going through, I think that's allowed us to remain strong and tight together. Um, and I think now with just this, you know, burst of new blood and new energy into the building um i think it's great for us to be able to just really come together and come to get on one accord and really continue to build each other because championships and and and, and wins they, they start getting built right now um they don't get built in august so um the, the bigger the sooner you get to it you know the faster you get better you know from a fan standpoint and media standpoint there's always curiosity about players coming off injury i i get that it's your teammate i get that you don't want to interfere with like the rehab of a player because you probably know what that's like as a player but how much can how much concern i guess is there is about Shaquille Leonard just in terms of your interest level in his rebound because of the fact that not only does it affect your guys team because he's a great player but but your core and your room as well what is the mindset and the approach in that situation well i think you know and i understand um you know I guess your your perspective, you know, from a fan and from a media point, you know, when a guy, you know, has missed games or something like that, how that could, you know, create somewhat of an uneasiness. But I think when you got a guy like Shaq, bro, who comes in and is just so consistent with his level of work and his commitment, his dedication to the game, his dedication to the team, when you got a guy like that, it's almost just like – you know, okay, he's over here. He's taking care of what he got to take care of. We're going to focus on what we focus on and just prepare for him. You know what I mean? Prepare for, you know, when they come back, however he needs to come back, what capacity is. Because when you got a guy that's just constantly taking care of their business, who's always on, who's always going out their way to do extra, who's always going out their way, um, you know, he's, I know he's, you know, flying doctor. He's doing a whole lot of things, really everything he can to, uh, you know, be the best version of himself and be back on the field. When you got a guy that's committed to it like that, I don't really think there's really any concern within the building because um, you see a guy going 110 percent, you know, going that extra mile um, to do what he needs to do to get on the field. I guess I think you only really have concern when you got a guy that's missing treatment time and stuff like that. If it was something like that, then it's a problem. But you know, when you got a guy like Shaq who just locked in, and he's constantly um, raising the bar, even when you know. Um, you know the, the opinion or whatever is not really you know in his favor i think uh you know we don't even worry about it in the building to be honest with you what teammate most intrigues or excites you on the field that you look at and you go man i can't wait to see how this guy's gonna play Ooh, oh I, it's, it's a few it's a few honestly um you know, I'm really, I really, you know, I love that D line, man. I really think our D line is the most underrated in the league, uh, to be honest with you. Um, uh, Samson is a guy that you know I trained with for a couple years, especially when I was, um, you know, a rookie of second year. So, um, really looking forward to seeing how him and Quiddy match up. Obviously, Buck and Grove, um, loving, looking forward to seeing how them two uh, take that next step. But um, if I'm really being honest, it's probably it's probably AR. You know, to be honest with you, um, you know, he the he he the new shining star in the building, you know, everybody, you know, he's a guy that everybody's going to pay tickets to see. Um, obviously, he's flashed, you know, a ton, um, making a bunch of plays and OTAs. Um, obviously, some highs and lows, it ain't, you know, all 
perfect. But, um, you know, I think as he continues to grow, continue to build, I think he actually has all the tools to be special. Again, Zaire Franklin with us. Year six for the captain from Syracuse. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I want to hit on Anthony Richardson a little bit more there. Um, you touched on some of your impressions on the practice field. When you get to like a Tuesday and you realize you're facing kind of a dual threat quarterback as a linebacker, as a captain, as a signal caller, what? How does that change your you know thought process during the week versus maybe more of a traditional pocket passer? Oh man, um, it completely changes how you you know look at the game and approach it. Um, like when you have a quarterback who's a true dual threat, um, it's the, the the threat of them you know whether it's a quarterback design run or um, everybody dropping off. You can have perfect coverage. Everybody can be covered. You can see a scheme, know the roster going to run and, and fit it up perfectly, and then they can scamper for 10, 15 yards. Um, just like that thought and that, that thing in the back of your mind, um, I think it's, it's just that in and of itself is a threat. Um, you know, add it to somebody that's dynamic running the ball like, you know, Anthony or, you know, someone like Lamar or something like that. Um, I think it just brings an entire element to the game. Um, even, you know, in terms of, you know, what not even just design calls, but even as a pocket passer, when you got somebody who's athletic like that, when you're rushing, you understand that there's another element. I got to actually tackle this dude. You know, he's not just like, you know, quote unquote, a statue um, or somebody that you know you can run down. You know, we when we go against uh, running quarterbacks or quarterbacks who are extremely mobile, we got to talk to our D-line. Look, the D-line can't just fly up the field and just go rush because you might create a lane. This dude might be able to step up and whether that's make a throw, a big throw down, down on the field or, you know, scramble uh, for a significant game. And now you got to take somebody out of coverage or now in your coverage, you, you just got that in the back of your mind. Maybe you're not playing this tight man cover. So um, it's definitely a different dynamic. And I think that's why the NFL is uh, moving so much more towards mobile quarterbacks just because they just bring so much, so much to the game. I'll leave this pretty open-ended because I think your tweet a few weeks ago addressed it uh, pretty accurately, but as someone that got his start on the NFL and entrenching himself as a special teamer, uh, your thoughts on the new kickoff rule? Man, uh, I just think, you know, know, when it comes to the league, and I, I understand, you know, player safety is obviously number one. Um, progressing our league is obviously priority, uh, a high priority on the league's list. Um, but, you know, I just think, you know, special teams is a major part of the game. Um, we watched playoff games. We watched Super Bowls. We watched, you know, some of the biggest games, some of our favorite games all the time be changed by the dynamic of special teams, whether that's, you know, a kickoff return, whether that's a punt um, um, or punt return. I think special teams is a major part of the game. And to just maybe move to a part where you're trying to phase out a part of a game, first of all, um, you're taken away from the game. You know, because at a certain point, I understand every year you got to add rules, every year you got to critique, every year you got to hone in and try to make the game better. But at what point are you actually taken away from, you know, what actually makes the game beautiful in and of itself? Um, you know, I think sometimes it's just. You know, I get we got player safety, but man, this is football, man. You don't you don't see you don't see boxers telling them, oh no, no body shots or you know like no no face shots. You know what I mean? I mean it's a physical game. You know, if we wanted to play two hand touch, you know, <laughs> we could have signed up to do that a long time ago. Um, I think the physical element of a game is a part of what makes the game great. And I understand that you know, obviously with the technology and everything that's coming on, we want to keep everybody safe. But um, you know, I'm just I'm, I don't know. I'm just where I'm from. Is just look if you scared go get a dog you know but if you, if you ain't scared go play that's just that's just where I'm from Zaire I'm curious 
Um, or a cat, Jake. You got a cat, right? I do have a cat. Yeah, yeah. that's correct. I had a cat, though. I love cats, too. I'm, I'm, I'm both. Oh, there you go. All right. I like that. See? Cats are cool. Okay, Zyre, you're, you're a native of Philly. I, I We might have discussed this before. Um I don't remember whether I was at Penn Station or Hoagies and Hops. They're both great. And I'm getting a sandwich, and somebody like blasted me for putting ketchup on it. And then I heard that you actually, either ketchup or mustard, you're, you are willing to put on a Philly steak and cheese. Now, you, you, you would be a resident expert on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a violation? I don't think it is to put ketchup on a, a, steak and, a Philly steak and cheese. Your thoughts? Well, let me first off start by saying uh, my order um, for all those listening. First of all, shout out to Hoagies and Hops. Um but salt, pepper, ketchup is just a staple. Where I'm from in Philly, salt, pepper, ketchup is just where you start at. So ketchup is, is a mainstay. I like mustard. I like mayonnaise. You know, I like sweet peppers every now and then. And I'm obviously going to throw fried onions. That's my order. But I think what people don't understand is the cheesesteak is like it's like a personality thing. I got friends who get lettuce and tomatoes on their cheesesteak. Now, I think that's ridiculous. But listen, <laughs> if, you, if that's what you like and that's what, you know, more power to you. So um, there's no right or wrong answer to your cheesesteak. Um, but, yes, I put ketchup and mustard on my steak. But, you know, that's just me. Um, it is what it is. See, this totally validates me, which I love. And, and I've, I'm going to oh, now God. label you as... Oh. You, this is like the fourth time you've been on with us, so you're officially, I think, friend of the show. Um, I appreciate that. So appreciate my, that. my question, my last question for you is this, Sayer. I, I think people and fans love your story, right? This is a city that, probably not unlike Philly, loves a guy that just, like, based on bringing his lunch pail every day, works his way through the roster, which is what you've done. When you look at it now, and you're a leader of this franchise... You look at the young guys around you, and which one most reminds you of the young Zaire Franklin? Man, um, that's tough. <laughs> uh, you know, I just think um, for myself, uh, just the kind of just the journey that I had. Uh, I don't know. You know, I feel like I just had great vets, man. I've always, I've always had great guys to kind of base myself off of, and just really learn from um to be honest you know i love jojo um that's my guy young rook in the room um very humble man all about the grind uh love young grand obviously i love my young lb shagoon love the young lbs um and you know i think that's to be seen uh to be honest with you uh, i feel like we got a great group of young guys uh that came in especially the young rookies um obviously we still getting to know them they still getting to know me um, but, you know, I really felt like, you know, throughout my journey um, in the league, um, it was filled with highs and lows. You know, you know, every year, you know, I wasn't always, you know, slated to be, you know, this guy on the team. Sometimes I was just fighting to make the roster. Um, but I think uh, the best advice I got was from Rob Mathis, and he just told me, um, first of all, it's a marathon, um, not a sprint, and really just to run your own race. You know, you can't, you know, run, you know, the race looking at the other guys in the um, in the room and what somebody else is getting what you're not getting um and i really just think the guy that really just locks in and focuses on the grind like just focusing on getting better every single day is going to continue to separate themselves but obviously i love the young lbs um those my boys man we got them in the room we got a great young room um beside behind me shack and speed so definitely gonna get a lot of the young lbs Zaire, we'll end with this, and uh, really appreciate your time, especially amidst everything the last 24 hours this morning. Uh, but I want to give a chance to for you to kind of explain a little bit more about your foundation. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Shalise's Angels, am I saying that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, Shalise's Angels, from a financial literacy standpoint, taking some high school kids to Google headquarters, just talk a little bit about you know what you, you've done w- with the foundation, because I think it's a variety of things, variety of ages that you're impacting here. 
Yes, man, I appreciate that. Yeah, so Shalisha's Angels is a, my nonprofit, um, named after my mother. Um, you know, with the primary goal of really just, you know, trying to reach young kids, specifically young women, um, from, you know, tough communities um, in tough situations and give them experiences that, you know, they may not have had the opportunity to reach any other way. So um, in 19, 2019, we took them to Google headquarters in New York City, a group of like 20 kids from uh, North Philly. Um, last year, we took them to Sixers uh, headquarters. They got a chance to meet, you know, the marketing side, the business side, the finance side, kind of learn how the how organization works behind that. This year, we took them to uh, Facebook, Instagram headquarters, Meta, uh, you know, that's the new name now, uh, Meta headquarters in New York City. Um, and as well, we also have a financial literacy component, um, just trying to teach the young kids, trying to give them tools that, you know, I wish I had. That's kind of more for the high schoolers. Um, we hosted a financial uh, literacy uh, academy in the stadium earlier this year in August at Lucas Oil. had some kids in Lucas Oil um, the first time and we did it in the locker room. It was a chance for them to come to the locker room, kind of see where we work at, see what we're about, um, and also probably get you know try to help them give them some tools to be better uh, adults and, and, and better individuals and give them a better chance of financial help. So, um, yeah, obviously I'm, I've been doing, you know, community services for a long time. Being in a community is something that, like, I'm extremely passionate about. It's really who I am at its core. Um, and, you know, I just look forward to, you know, continue to do these things in Indianapolis and in Philadelphia alike um, and just continue to try to help the kids. And whether that's experiences or whether that's tools that we're giving them, I'm just do our best. I do my best to try to help them out. Again, that is shalicesangels.org, S-H-E-L-I-C-E-S, angels.org. Zaire, I know we threw a lot at you in this uh, last 15, 20 minutes. Appreciate you handling it all, and uh, good luck these final two weeks of the offseason program, and we'll see you in camp. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. Zaire Franklin, right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. See, ketchup on a Philly steak and cheese. Totally cool. I, I, I've known it all along. That was uh, when you first went there. I was curious how he would respond, but when a uh, authentic Philly in... Philadelphian, Philadelphia. Do you, do you like Philly? Reacts to that. Uh, I I do. I haven't. I've been there twice, so I haven't been there. Um, you know, a ton, but I definitely like Hoagies and Hops. It's there's a Penn Station action. You know, there's for Philadelphia. There, there's a there's a feel and a vibe about Philadelphia that I really like, and I guess you could say that Detroit has the same feel. But Philly, it just feels kind of almost more authentic and pure. But there's just kind of this, probably Rocky has a lot to do with it. But there's this tremendous pride people in Philly have about Philly. And everything about Philly, you know, runs through them. And I and just the work ethic, the blue-collar work ethic of Philadelphia and the, the toughness. And I, 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 and I'm not trying to be melodramatic here, but I think that Zaire Franklin couldn't agree more. It, it just carries with him, right? And I think that that's there are certain players, Kevin. We were talking the other day about how every city has that athlete that is kind of their one of their beloved athletes that people from other cities would be like, really? I wouldn't have guessed that of that yeah. guy. And, and I could see him. He's emerging into that group. Correct. Yeah. Like he could be a Gary Brackett level, Robert Mathis level guy that is very beloved here. He's really hard to, to not like. You know, you listen to that, Jake, and I'm reminded in a football program that has a lot of history, why he was the first three-time captain at Syracuse in over 100 years. Right. I mean, 100 years. And, you know, right now I just look 
on my timeline, Andy, please more Zaire uh, Franklin interviews. Great interview, great, great rep. Aaron, same thing. Randy, great interview with Z. Seems like a fantastic leader. My father-in-law texted me during that interview. Absolutely loved his answer. I think specifically on the kickoff rule um, What was that one. I thought he handled it really well. And you know, I don't want to speak for the Colts, but I don't know how many people that we would have had scheduled Jake before the Isaiah Rogers interview that they would have then said, I trust that person. Like, yeah, that dude fair. can handle it. I appreciated him fielding those two questions to begin. And uh, if you guys missed that, maybe we'll, we'll chop up some of those Isaiah Rogers related answers. Play that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Speaking of the 9 o'clock hour, Steph Wilson. Jake, I think... A good chunk of our audience will remember that storyline from the last couple of weeks, but just for those that maybe aren't 100% plugged into IndyCar, uh, explain, you know, everything happened 500 miles for him. Well, Steph Wilson's kind of the Zyre Franklin of racing, and the fact that he's a guy that maybe people didn't know his name as much, except for that Steph uh, Steph Wilson's older brother, Justin Wilson, was a very popular and likable driver, massive talent, that was fatally injured, of course, and Steph Wilson at that time was already racing. I mean, Steph was a racer. Um, he has just worked really hard every year to to secure himself a ride in the Indy 500. A year ago, he secured a ride for this year with uh, Don Cusick, Cusick Motorsports, and Dryer Reinbold, and had a good month. was was fast, qualified solidly in the race, and was really just all of his hard work and all of his efforts because it really was something that he put together himself to be able to secure a ride for himself and in the final practice after qualifying in the final practice he was in an accident with Catherine Legg that broke a vertebrae or fractured a vertebrae in his back and he's been in the hospital going through rehab he could not start the Indy 500 and so Graham Rahal who had been bounced filled in for him And Steph is here still in Indiana. I believe he lives in Colorado, and he is going home Thursday. And so I just happened to, when he got hurt, I had sent him a message just, hey, you know, get well soon. And to his credit, I mean, it was like probably two weeks later, he messaged me back and said, hey, I'm just now getting around all these, but thank you. We exchanged a few texts, and then I said, you know, there's been a lot of fan support for you. Would you want to say anything to them? He's like, man, that'd be awesome. So he's going to do that at 9 o'clock this morning. Is he going back for game five? What's that? Is he going back for game five? Is that why he wanted that, to that, head back to Denver? That's right. That's exactly uh, right. Game three tomorrow Wants night. to be there if the Nuggets close it out. 1-1. One, one, that series shifting, of course, to Miami. Game five will be in Denver. I believe that is on Monday. Um, so that will be in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll get more to the Isaiah Rogers situation coming up. Again, the Colts signed a veteran wideout yesterday, a former first-round pick. We'll share some thoughts on that. Uh, let's lead off a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You had just mentioned Game 5 in the NBA Final will be uh, NBA Finals will be in Denver eventually after they go back to Miami. But let's begin with uh, Game 2 of the NHL Stanley Cup Final. All Vegas as they now lead Brendan King's Florida Panthers two games to love uh there were last night 114 goals and 246 yes. fights right uh-huh. accurate on both of those numbers 7-2 <laughs> vegas wins they've scored 12 goals in the first two games of the stanley cup final that is the most ever through two games i just and- can't vibe with the vegas golden knights i just i'm like really like i want the stanley cup final to be like montreal and i was gonna say can you vibe Chicago, with the Florida panthers you know? yeah 
or or my Calgary Flames. You know what I mean? Like I've I, I've been holding the flame for thirty years now for my Calgary Flames. Yeah, of course, of course. And the last year you changed to the Whalers, you changed to the Kraken, yep. Avalanche. You had a lot of teams at but one yet, point. I like but, the Islanders; they're cool. But yet he gets on Brendan for being a Panthers fan. right, exactly front runner. Now with this series, both series, I guess shifting to the Miami uh, Fort Lauderdale region. I think a little bit of the Panthers. So we will literally have. An NBA Finals or a Stanley Cup Final game in the Miami area each of the next four nights, starting Wednesday. Party, party at the Boca, the the Phase Two of Del Boca Vista, right? I hope the blue pills have been delivered to the villages. <laughs> That's all I can say what, about Mark, that. What's, Boy, what's going on? It's going to be a hell okay. of a four night oh bender my. down there. Yeah, okay. Man, we'll check back. Advil. In, what are we talking about here? Check back in nine months to see if anything is yeah, okay. Esther, yeah. I'm ready. Was that a swoosh? What, what are we doing? Yeah, that was a swoosh. What, what, what was that? that? I think we needed a swoosh. Uh, Major League Baseball. How about Andrew Abbott? His debut for the Reds. One hit in six innings. The Reds beat the Brewers yesterday, two nothing. Cubs lose five nothing to the Padres. Just four hits for the Cubs in that one. Tigers lose the Phillies. I saw Aaron Nola. For Philadelphia, had a no-no going into the seventh there. Obviously, that did not uh, come to fruition. Have we had a no-no this year? I don't think we have. Typically, whenever there's a no-hitter brewing, I, I text or call my dad. I'm like, turn it on. How is no one no-hit the ace? <laughs> they don't count if you no-hit the ace. Now, By the way, now talk about jinxes. That sounds like a jinx right there, calling your father about a no-hitter. I, I'm, well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I got up this morning... Felt pretty good. Drove in. It is a little bit hazy because of the smoke from the Canadian wildfires, which is crazy. But I, I did not think that Esther, I'm ready, was something that was going to be uttered on this radio show this morning. <laughs> Judith! <laughs> Judith! <laughs> hey, come on. Like, I mean, I mean, really? Like, I'm trying to be a mature broadcaster here, and you guys are just off and running making the old guy jokes, and I'm 50. And Panthers Greg. are on the board. Blue pills in the system. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I think I took an extra heart med. Yeah. And and then you're making jokes about slipping one past the goalie after they've given up what? 12 goals in two games. I mean, what are we doing here? Uh, I know we've talked about it before. How about uh, Oklahoma softball? You guys see there in the College World well, Series? Well, that, that's the girl that hit 65 home runs in three games last year, right? 51 straight victories this season. Their last loss was in February to Baylor. It's them in Florida State. For the second time in three years here for the College World Series Championship Series. Uh, I believe that takes place here this week. They won yesterday in extras over Stanford and on the baseball regional front. We know Indiana State is advancing. We talked about that earlier. Unfortunately, they will not be able to host in Terre Haute this weekend. They are off to Fort Worth. I looked up that drive 12 hours from Terre Haute to Fort Worth. So we'll see about the caravan on that end. Uh, Indiana season comes to a close 4-2 last night. With Kentucky. By the way, what was the drive again? 12 hours. So that was the drive that Nick Yeoman, Michael Young, and Mark Jaynes had to make after the Texas race this year. Oh, I forgot about that. When the that's when you flew to Cincinnati? I flew to Cincinnati, yeah. And Mike Byron, friend of the year, came and picked you up. <laughs> he did. I, friend he of the did. century. <laughs> I, I said to him, I go, hey, I got good news and bad news. What's that? I go, the good news is I got a flight to Cincinnati to get out of here. And the bad news is you're picking me up in an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, the UND baseball season also came to a close yesterday. They were in the, their version of Omaha for D2. It's in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, they were down 10-3 going to the ninth. They scored five runs but lost 10-8. So the fighting Eddie Whites, I believe his son, 
pretty solid pitcher for them this season. Uh, they bow out, but a hell of a season for UND, making it to their College World Series. All right, we'll get some Colts chat on the other side. Kevin Aquari here on a Tuesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Man. Jake thought about getting a keg of Little Kings last night. <laughs> Care to guess what the occasion would have been or the reason behind it? A keg of Little Kings for Kevin Bowen. Now, there are a lot of reasons why that might come into play. By the way, I think a listener, Zach, has said he's going to deliver some Little Kings to the um, really to the office here at some point. Will you... Um, and by the way, I, I almost feel bad for our PBR folk because I still want to do a PBR party, and now we're on the Little Kings. And, and, and I mean, you know, I'm getting ready to go to Canada in like a month. I could bring back some Labatt's or... Ketchup Alexander, flavored Alexander chips. Keats, ketchup flavored chips. Yeah. I, now, you guys, do you want me to bring back the ketchup flavored chips this time or no? Sure. Those are fine. They did we, grow on me a little. Have you tried the Doritos ones yet? I saw those I, in the store. Yeah, I saw those in the gas station. Yeah, I haven't tried them yet. That's that's a ketchup flavored Dorito. Mm-hmm. I don't think I want to ruin my obsession with Doritos, so I'll probably stay away. Yeah, that's fair. I'll have one, but then I'll go right back to the nacho cheese. Um. Reason why you wanted a keg o Little Kings because the Reds won. Well, I thought about it, and then I started to do a little bit more research on it, and I thought um, probably a skunk keg of Little Kings would be the better thing to celebrate with. The Colts have signed a veteran wide receiver. Oh wow! Rashard Perriman, former first round pick. We talked about him yesterday, right? In 2015. I go on Baltimore radio yesterday. Baltimore, um, the Ravens and Colts play each other this season. So, you know, typically, I guess we haven't done it yet. We, we, we might do it here at some point. You know, get a little bit of a lay of the land of teams that are on your NFL's local team schedule. So, just happened to be on their affiliate yesterday, and they began the interview with, Hey, congrats on Bashard Perriman. Have you guys started building the statue yet for him? And I'm like, oh boy, is this the reputation? <laughs> like, they reacted to the Burchard Perriman. He is still in the NFL. Like, we would react if Bjorn Werner got signed tomorrow. Yeah, that's not necessarily a glowing endorsement, right? No. Uh, Baltimore Ravens took him in the first round back in 2015. He didn't even make it two years with the Ravens. Uh, for his career, Jake, 36 catches is the most he's had in a season. Think about that. 16 games, now we're into 17 games. So the most catches he's had in a single season is two per game. 20 the, catches total the, the last manner, years. The manner or the means in which you are acquired, though, does affect the, ex, your, the obviously the expectation. Sure. Um, I, I got no problem with it. I, I, you kick the tires on it, you see if there's something there, and if he turns out to be... You know, I was telling JMV yesterday... I remember, and Kevin, you would know better than I because the years to me start to run together, admittedly. I'm going to guess 2017-ish. I remember the Colts midway through the season, 
their receiving core was banged up, and they go out and they sign Dontrell Inman. And oh, he, he turned huge. out he yeah. turned out to be huge for Had them. that big touchdown in the Tennessee and, and, and game. And I mean, there were the people playoffs. that were like, that guy's terrible. You know, he's he's cast yeah. off everywhere. And 2018 season. He's a yeah. nice player. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that's what you get here, but you, you never know, right? Again, I love kicking the tires on former first-round picks, but Jake, unlike, you know, typically when you see older wide receivers sign, what's the question? Do they still have something in the tank? What hole are they walking up? Are they walking up the 17th hole or the 14th hole? 14th hole, you can still get something out of them. 17th hole, you can't. Andre Johnson was on 17. You know, some of these guys yeah. that are older, Reggie Wayne post ACL, unfortunately, was at that point. I'm not sure if Dontrell or I'm not sure if Bershard Perriman's ever even been on the golf course in his career. So yeah. if there is one positive to his resume, he's averaged 16 yards per catch in his career. Anthony Richardson is a big arm thrower. Could you tap into any of that speed? But frankly, I just look at the signing and think he'll be fortunate to make the team. And, um, and he better play special teams. So Veteran wideout, support for the young QB. I'm all for it, but this is June scraps. The, this is a June scrap signing. A keg of Little Kings is like 32 ounces, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking about a keg size. Now, Mark, you is have the keg not- coated in the bottle, though? Then that could be a little Mark, more you've expensive. never had the Little Kings. No, right? I was not at Carb Day when you guys had one, so I didn't well, get one. Kevin, what was your assessment of Mark, it? I will let you know here um, when Zach... Arrives, I think potentially today. My assessment was the bottle is an eight point eight, the beer is a three point four. Uh, I mean, it, it tasted like a beer that I would have had at my first ever Indy five hundred. Okay. By the way, Trace Jackson Davis yesterday worked out for the Pacers. Um, yeah, I, I he was pretty he, excited about his work. Here is what I was told. What I was told was he does very well what he does. And he is very strongly improving in the other areas. And late first, early second. He thought he shot it extremely well yesterday. Um, He was pretty candid afterwards in saying, I didn't shoot it well at the Combine. Thought that yesterday was one of his better workouts. We mentioned the Arizona kid. He was going up against Tabellus, who kind of got the best of him in their first matchup. Yeah, and and that was kind of fun for those two guys to to work out together. Tabellus was like, yeah, Trace made a couple shots right in my face. Right. Um you know, I saw he made the comparison to Sabonis and Draymond Green, kind of as a small ball five four. You know, I think a lot of that's probably you know kind of agent driven talk. I I understand where he's coming from with with that thought process, but yeah, I mean, late first, early second, in that range. You know, we mentioned it yesterday. You know, do the Pacers still believe in Isaiah Jackson? Do you still believe in Jalen Smith? If you do, I don't see that why you would draft Trace, unless you feel like. Trade, you know, unless you're done with him, unless you think you can get the same production that you've gotten out of, say, Jalen Smith, but you do so at a lot less cost. Yeah, but I, I don't know the ages. I would guess Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith. Jaylen well, Smith, you're probably right. Jalen Smith right. is probably older at this point. But, but just contractually speaking, sure. it would be. By the way, also, uh, best of luck to Michael Bubba Hufford. He is one of the athletes that will be partaking in the Special Olympics in nice. Terre Haute coming up this weekend. Do we know what, what sports? I don't know what sport, actually. Um, Love it. Just know that he is participating. Yeah, so I did. Best the- of luck to all the athletes of the Special Olympics in Terre Haute this weekend, which unfortunately is the reason why Indiana State will not be hosting their Super Regional in baseball. Yeah, shout out to athlete Jordan Carson, a friend of mine who participated a few years back in the golf. Absolutely love being a part of that. Um, speaking of travel, Jake, Trace Jackson Davis mentioned yesterday 
he actually worked out, he said, really well. He was in Utah on Friday for a workout, was able to fly here to Indy Friday night, and he was in Indy Saturday and Sunday before yesterday's workout. Now, he has 10 workouts in 14 days. Man. Boston, where he's off to today. So, Brad Stevens action, and then 10 total workouts between now, now would you, and the draft. Would you keep the jerseys and shorts from every team? Oh, sure. Without question. I mean, you show up to your first, like, bachelor party of your friends, and you're literally the favorite person there. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I checked this bag just with my uh, workout gear from the draft. I have still somewhere, and I don't know where it is, but it did make the cut during the Great Purge. Um, I thought you were going to say the Great Depression. I have a Kansas basketball practice jersey somewhere. Ooh. It made the cut. You could probably get some money for that. It's reversible, too. Wow. One side red, one side blue. I do like when Kansas rocks a little more red in the jersey. Yeah. Uh, Pacers workout today, number seven for the draft here. Again, draft two weeks from Thursday. Uh, It's another group workout, and I would say this is the best group workout they've had yet. The two names of note in this uh, quintet, maybe. Uh, Actually, there might be. Yeah, I think there's five. Uh, Gigi Jackson from South Carolina. He is one. Of, he might be the youngest player in the draft. Uh, see a lot of people have him kind of late lottery, maybe even pushing into the top ten. And then Noah Clowney from Alabama. His probably name's little, been thrown around a lot. Yeah, I think in the top twenty range there, probably a little bit more of a big, maybe a four, depending on how you look at it. Gigi Jackson, six nine, two fifteen, average fifteen and six for South Carolina. Last season, again, extremely young, which we know the obsession with the NBA teams and that when it comes around to the draft. So uh, Cam Whitmore, I think, qualifies still as the best prospect that's worked out for the Pacers so far. But again, today's group, specifically Jackson and Clowney, I'd say the best group. By the way, Noah Clowney, who is from South Carolina, even though he played at Alabama, right? No relation to Jadeveon Clowney. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I, I always assumed they were like, you know, brothers or... You know, in sure related because I think they're from like the exact same area in South Carolina, but not really? related. Now, Gigi you, Jackson, any relation to Gigi Allen? See, that's I was worried that you. Were, I, I as soon as he said Gigi Jackson, I thought, is that Gigi Allen? Yeah. Have you and I gone down the Gigi Allen? Yeah, we played a song of his on the air one time. <laughs> I was shocked. Franklin loving your 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 music intro, Mark. Yeah, it's because yeah. it wasn't Gigi Allen. It been. Maybe it should be. <laughs> Did you say you were shocked? Is that what you said? That I could find a song we could play. Yeah, you bet me we couldn't <laughs> but, find one. Were you familiar one. with him at, before I introduced you yes. to him? Mm-hmm. Have you downloaded like his entire catalog? No. Now? Have you watched the YouTube video of his last show? Yeah, I think yeah. I got put on a list and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is. What probably do I think true. the Gigi stands for here for Mr. Jackson? That's a good question. Uh, well. So and it's G period, G period, right? So if he plays here, will Mark Boyle have to... George Gregory. Call him differently. Uh, Wikipedia just says Gregory G.G. Jackson II. The dude is 18 and a half years old. Can you imagine being in the NBA? Kevin, I told you this. At that age. There is only... And I know that this is a, a terrible event to, to bring up. I don't mean it that way. But I believe there are only three players that are thought to be like top thirty picks in this year's draft that would have been alive on nine eleven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always, I've kind of felt that way about um, Indiana basketball from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, they go after now no prospects that were alive for their last Final Four. 
or their last Elite Eight, however you want to call it, 2002. Correct, yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? Is there a Colts player on the roster that's older than me still? I'm trying to think. Who is the oldest player on the roster? That's a good question. Mark, will you will you look that up? I'm looking right now. The oldest player on the Colts roster. How old is Luke Rhodes? Yeah, Ryan Kelly's got to be close to 30. Rodney McLeod is no longer there. He he would definitely have been older. Luke Rhodes, no. I don't think so, at least. Boy, unless I'm forgetting somebody. Gilmore, of course, is gone. Just wait, guys, until... Is all Ryan of, Kelly really the Just wait cult? until all of these guys have kids in the league, and that's where you're like, holy cow. High water mark so far just looking is Matt Gay at 29 years old. Oh, here we go. Ryan Kelly, 30... Uh, scrolling, scrolling, nothing cracking 30. Luke Rhodes is 30. God, that's wild. Yeah, so easily. I mean, hell, Jake thinks I'm 47, so. Yeah. It's probably a dumb question. <laughs> 30 years up. old is the high water mark. Yeah, you know, obviously, for all those years, Venetari was the outlier or some old quarterback, certainly. Unless Liam Anderson, who is listed his listed age is NA. Is thirty one then the high water Liam, thirty rookie from Holy Cross right yeah how don't they know his his birth his age well, I'd say N A is that a Danny Almonte situation nobody asked his birthday he's A I so it's N A right oh gotcha yeah Sarah Franklin with some high praise for JoJo Doman special teamer from last year I thought it was a good question that you threw his way Jake about a young guy that kind of reminds him of himself when he entered the league in 2018. I do think that element of the the new kickoff rule, and I loved his answer on it. I couldn't agree more on his answer about the kickoff rule. But I do think that aspect to guys like Zaire Franklin and Ashton Doolin, Jake, they might not have turned into the guys that they are now if that kickoff rule would have been in place when they entered the league. Right. I, I mean, he gave really good answers, and he gave very thoughtful answers in – all the questions we asked, in yeah. particular about whether or not to put ketchup on steak and cheese. <laughs> That'll be up on the podcast. Uh, Steph Wilson going to join us here in a few to talk about uh, what was a crazy month of May for him uh, in the Indy 500. Unfortunately, the inability to race in the 107th running. So we'll talk with him coming up at 9 o'clock hour. Kevin Aquari here. A little bit of a hazy Tuesday, but uh, the sun is out and shining through here in the studio. Good Tuesday morning to you. This is, by the way, from Aaron, a great question. Any chance that Gigi Jackson, the South Carolina basketball player working out for the Pacers, may be related to former MTV original VJ, J.J. Jackson? Good question. J.J. Hmm. Jackson. Jaron Jackson go by J.J.? Uh, yeah, because he's Jaron Jackson Jr., right? Right, the Memphis Grizzlies. He could go by J-Cubed, right? J.J. Um, Jackson of MTV fame was the one who hosted on MTV when Kiss appeared for the very first time without makeup. Oh, I, I do remember you sharing the story. It's like a huge deal. And then people were like, holy cow, those guys are ugly. Put the makeup back on. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty we're much. talk with Steph Wilson on the other side of this coming up in the 9 o'clock hour about his uh, pretty remarkable um, Indy 500 journey. Um, so for those that maybe missed kind of our heavy Isaiah Rogers chatter to lead off the show, kind of double back and on that, Jake. Again, uh, currently the NFL is investigating Isaiah Rogers for violating the league's gambling policy. Um, not to get too deep into what exactly the policy states, but basically it's don't bet on any professional sport at the team facility. 
don't bet on NFL games, and certainly don't bet on your own team. I, those are kind of the rough <laughs> rules of it all. Uh, the early report is Isaiah Rogers placed around 100 bets. Uh, he had an associate that had the name of the account. Sounded like most of the bets were in the 25 to $50 range. We do not know details on if he bet for or against the Colts, but the first report was he did bet on Colts games. Kevin, to go back to what I said earlier, I understand, and we we talked about this a lot, by the way, which will be on the podcast in the 7 o'clock hour, but I understand that people are, that they're, the narrative would be there of, it's 25 or $50. I mean, come on. And if he's not betting against his team and but the NFL's aligned with all of the sports apps, that's hypocritical. I understand all of that. I think that athletes, in particular college athletes, it is very, very, very ingrained in them repeatedly about gambling and the necessity for them to separate from it. I also understand based and, – and I do think that it's it's understandable to see why a player – would because of the fact that 25 or 50 dollars in the grand scheme of what players are making and Isaiah Rogers is not a guy that was making eight million a year but still you're making a million a year 25 50 dollars is nothing it's literally the nickel slots in Vegas and so he probably didn't stop to think about the severity of what it was and as I mentioned earlier if you have a CDL license and you are an over-the-road truck driver a, a DUI is far more detrimental to your career than a DUI. I mean, they're both terrible. Than a DUI is for somebody who's driving home after dinner and, you know, is a an accountant. When you are a professional athlete, the ramification, if that's the right word, for these actions is going to be more severe than it is for just a normal, typical person because you are repeated. And, and I realize the the alleged or, or the appearance of hypocrisy and all that i get all that the one thing that the nfl kevin oddly enough and in the nba not just the nfl the integrity of the sport is very important to them because they want people who are wagering on their games to know that they are wagering on strictly like luck and chance quite frankly and that there are that there is nothing unscrupulous going on to affect the outcome of the game that is of paramount importance and so when a player is wagering on or placing bets on his team it is easy to say from a fan or media standpoint well he didn't bet against them so he's obviously playing hard understood but if there are 17 games in a season and say he only wagers on them 10 or 11 times then that all of a sudden sends up flags and the six that he's not wagering on what does that say does he not think they're going to win what does he know and then it becomes essentially i hate to say this insider trading and it's a very slippery slope and it's a very at times foggy slope but it's a slope nonetheless and one that i'm sure Obviously, the Colts and every other franchise would never want to go into, and I also think it's entirely possible that we are seeing the first glimpse of light through a door that may swing wide open in the NFL. Obviously, the Detroit Lions storyline from a few months ago was pretty big in this. They had a handful of players. Basically, these suspension lengths for those players were indefinite. If you bet on NFL games, no matter if it was your team or not, 
versus, in Jameson Williams' case, he did not bet on the NFL, so I think his was six games. Um, so that's what Rodgers could be looking at. Again, the report says he bet on Colts games. That would mean in long suspension. I would cut him if I were the Colts, and this report is true. And I know it sounds like a harsh word, but I think it's fair in this case, strictly for the stupidity of it. There are signs all around that building about not gambling. Um, this is a guy that is in year four of his NFL career. It's not like he just appeared out of college yesterday. He is in a massive, the most important season of his NFL career is right now because he's scheduled to make over $2 million. That is much more than he's made in any of his first three seasons. It's a contract year, and he plays a position that has wide open playing time available and no clear future and definite long-term answers. Kenny Moore's in a contract year, too. And if Rodgers would cement himself, all of a sudden, he's with this team for whatever, three or four more years. He signed a second contract as a six-round pick. You have made generational wealth. And for him to squander that for 20 to $50 bets, it is too stupid. It is just flat out too stupid. It's a huge loss for the Colts in that, again, he plays a position group that's wide open. If you're Dallas Flowers this morning, if you're Juju Brents this morning, this is great news, as harsh as that sounds, because playing time, again, is even more open for you because Rodgers had started nine games for the Colts last season. And I do think, Jake, this is a guy that has showed his, some signs. Do you believe his roster spot was in jeopardy? Based on his play as a player, having nothing to do with this. because, And I do believe, by the way, and I know we're up against it, I do emphatically believe that the Colts were unaware of this. Like People are going to go back and look at two weeks ago and go, well, this move or that move made sense. I don't believe that the Colts had any awareness of this until literally like the last two days. I, I firmly believe that and have been told that, that the Colts were unaware that this was coming about Isaiah Rogers. And they haven't made any free agent signings at corner would lend you to think they didn't know this. That said, do you believe that his roster spot, based on his play, was in any jeopardy? No, I don't. I don't. I, I thought he was easily one of the best five or six corners that would have made it. Again, it, it's a very youthful group. Um, he's the second most experienced guy in that room behind Kenny Moore. So, no, I, I don't. And I think he would have been one of these guys you would have labeled as a potential breakout. I think when he's gotten play, he's not the ideal Gus Bradley corner from a size standpoint, but when he's been out there, I think he's super instinctual and, and can make some plays. Um, there are some questions. I see Joel Rex, I see some others asking how he got caught. Certainly, those are details that will potentially emerge down the road. If I'm not mistaken, Jake, I believe there's like a geolocation within these team facilities and stadiums. Um, I don't know if the associate situation had something to do with it, but I think if you place these bets at a specific location that is deemed, uh, whatever, not allowed, then that indicates, or I don't know, sends a message to one of these gambling apps. They have you know partnerships with the NFL. I, I don't know 100% on that. It's something I should probably look a little bit more into, but... He was kind of similar to the Alabama baseball coach in, in a way, and him, you know, texting one of his buddies about placing a bet on, you know, the starting pitchers out tonight, you know, FYI, that bet was placed at the Cincinnati Reds arena or stadium, I should say. There's a sports book there. It alerted them of like, wow, that is a huge bet on an Alabama LSU baseball game, and that flagged something in the system, and they were able to catch that. I know that's not the exact same thing with Rodgers, but a little bit into how potentially these people are getting caught. All right, uh, Steph Wilson. On- 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The other side. All right, 9 o'clock hour. Here on Kevin Aquari again. Thank you to Zaire Franklin. Joined us a little bit earlier. We hit on a little bit of everything with him. Certainly the Isaiah Rogers situation. Uh, his thoughts on Anthony Richardson, the new kickoff rule. Enjoyed that conversation with uh, Zaire on that. Again, kind of questions on that front still to be determined. Obviously, what will the punishment be? We haven't heard any sort of statement from the Colts outside of the traditional PR 101. We are aware of the situation. We're gathering more info, et cetera, et cetera. Shane Steichen meets the media tomorrow. Tomorrow's an open OTA session. Um, so that, the NFL punishment, was this isolated, the details of the types of bets, et cetera. Those are some of the things still to check for me. And that goes on until when? Uh, OTA is the final week of OTAs. So tomorrow's the last okay. open one. Next week will be a three-day mini camp. So I'll be out there for all three of those days. And that's it. Summer break for a month and a half for the Colts. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline, he is a veteran of not one, not two, not three, but four Indianapolis 500-mile races. This year was thought to be his fifth. And then, of course, he was involved in an accident and the final practice that led to, and I hope that my uh, verbiage is correct here, a fractured vertebrae in his back, I believe is correct. He can add more on that. But Stefan Wilson joins us um, to kind of just update on where things are and, and perhaps send a message to Indy 500 fans as well, and he's on the hotline. Steph, first off, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey Jake, thanks for having me on. Uh, let's begin with this. The most important question would be, how are you feeling? And take me through um, kind of the rehabilitation, if you will, and, and just being back on the mend when it comes to your back. Yeah, so yeah, your, your verbiage was uh, spot on, actually. So yeah, so good, good job with that. Uh, but yeah, my, uh, my recovery is going well. You know, it's, it's a day-by-day process. You know, it's going to be slow, uh, slow gains every day and that's all i can really ask for at the minute you know every day i just feel a little stronger a little bit more like myself and can do uh actions that uh, i'm more used to doing you know so it's 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 going to be about a three-month process um i'm told um, somewhere in a back brace and uh limited to what i can really do for the next three months but you know it about a week ago when i got home or not home, I, I should say back to my in-laws uh, where I'm staying in Kokomo until uh, the post-op on Wednesday. So, you know, when I got to there, it, you know, it was, you know, pretty humbling, you know, to to realize how, how much I lost, you know, in terms of not just missing out on the Indy 500, but all the actions that you take for granted, just everyday things, just getting up, moving around, um, you know, that is all sort of gone at that point um you know and it's uh you know it was pretty yeah like i said pretty humbling but in the last week every day just made slow gains and it's it's amazing now to look back 
and see how much progress I've already made. So I'm just hoping for, for that same kind of progress over the next couple of weeks, months, and, and to get back to normal. And obviously the goal is to get back to the Indy 500 in 2024. Okay, Steph, so three months till, like, normal human functions? Yeah, um, it, that's hard to tell at the minute. I mean, I, I'm, I've been up, you know, the first day it was, you know, difficult to even get out of bed, if that makes sense. Just even rolling onto your side, sitting up, standing was a huge challenge uh, for me. And now, uh, you know, just yesterday I was able to get on, you know, get on the treadmill and just walk on the treadmill um, for two miles. So, like, the, the progress I've already made has, has been significant. I don't know, you know, as far as bending down and picking things up and holding weights and that, that kind of stuff, that's that's going to be a, a while. That's probably going to be another two months at least. So I think it's three months until I'm back to the original strength is what I'm hoping for. But, um, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be time. I'm going to be, um, you know, relying on the, my, my uh, doctors and, and rehab team to you know, get uh, full clarity on that. Steph, was there ever a time uh, initially, and, and I'm going to gather that probably the combination of shock and then medication, things might be a little hazy, and I understand that, but was there ever concern at the very beginning that, that the woods may be thicker than just this, that you were going through, and that there could be like even a paralysis or anything like that? Um. No, I was never really worried about paralysis. I mean, I, I'm straight away immediately in the accident. Um, there was significant pain in my lower back, and I kind of knew that there was probably something not right. Um, but, you know, knowing that the Indy 500 was less than a week away and being a stubborn race car driver like I am, I was like, nope, no, it's going to be fine. Um, so even when we got back to the medical center inside the track, I, I tried to convince the doctors I was, I was good and, and uh, fit and healthy and ready to go. So I definitely stood up and walked around um, with a broken back, which probably not advisable now I look back at it. Um, you know, so the, there was never sort of a fear of that. It's just... Uh, you know, one, once we had the, uh, they did the MRI and the x-rays and saw how bad the break was or the fracture was, um, you know, it was, and that it needed surgery to correct it. You know, that's when sort of a bit of fear hits in. And I was like, man, what, what's this going to mean for the future? Um, but I, I actually, all those fears were kind of, again, relieved once I spoke to a couple other drivers that have had a similar type of fracture in their back, um, and speaking to Terry Trammell as well at IndyCar, he just um, yeah, was able to reassure me that hey, this is this is going to suck, but it's it's you know you're going to recover from this and, and get back in a car. So that's that's um, that's all I needed to hear. I got to thinking about this, Steph. Stephen Wilson is our guest. He's on the Payless Sugars Hotline. I got to thinking about this. You know, like I said, that was going to be your fifth Indianapolis 500. We know that Graham Rahal got in the car for you and ran the race. Um, and I and I thought, you know, at some point, Stefan Wilson is his own man. He's been in four Indy 500s. He's he's raced in several Indy car events. He raced in lights. He's forged his own path. He's secured his own sponsors. And at some point, it seems like out of fairness to him, 
Stefan Wilson needs to be referred to as a driver, and we need to, to quit sim- simply saying Stefan Wilson, who is Justin Wilson's younger brother. And then I thought to myself, but if I was Justin Wilson's younger brother, I would want everyone to know I'm Justin Wilson's younger brother because I don't know that there was a more liked and dear and, quite frankly, just honorable driver. And I think everybody in the paddock would say that. But yep, he had terrible luck, and it's almost like you got you've inherited that same luck. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it. I mean, I uh, I fully agree with you, Jake. Like I I don't mind being referred to as Justin Wilson's younger brother because he was uh, an amazing driver, an amazing person. I'm I'm on it. You know, I was I was lucky to be his younger brother. You know, so I um, I'm racing the Indy 500. I'm trying to win the Indy 500. It's, as much about winning it for myself as it is about winning it for him as well, because I feel like that's something that he would have achieved in his career had he had he had more time, you know. So, yeah, but I'm I'm gonna need to to drop, you know, some of this this bad luck that I've inherited, you know. So I I would definitely like a little bit of uh, a little bit of luck in the next couple of years would be would be sure would be handy. So, right, I hope. Um, you know, Lady Luck shines on me next year. Do you have other siblings, or was it just the two of you? Yeah, it was just me and Justin. Okay, so, so with that, yeah. Steph, the reality is this. You know, I know you love racing, and I know Justin loved racing, and I assume your parents loved what racing has has been able to afford you guys. But at some point, maybe racing's going to have to love you back, but it hasn't happened yet, and racing's taken a lot from you. So... Why still the desire to race, and is the drive the same as it was the second you strapped into that car for the final practice? Oh, absolutely! It's probably more now. You know, it, it's um, you know, I, winning the Indy Five Hundred is all I think about. It's it's kind of an obsession. It's definitely consumed me, and you know, I you know, there's uh, there's not a lot that can really stop me from keeping on. You know, trying to pursue this this goal and this and this trying to achieve this this dream of winning the Indy 500. So, no, I'm um, every day I'm I'm working towards that now and trying to get back to that full fitness. You know, and um, we've got uh, a, a year to do it. So, I'm fortunate that time's on my side at least. Steph, if you don't mind, could you take us back to that Monday practice and, and the incident that, that happened with, with Catherine Leg? It was obviously a very crowded track, as it is every final Monday practice leading into the 500. Uh, what do you remember coming out of you know whatever the straightaway turn one and and hitting the wall? Yeah, no, it was a kind of a typical pack run. You know, there was uh, we'd been running for about three or four laps um, in this group and. You know, it's just kind of typical race running where, you know, people check up and cars check up ahead of you and you're preemptively predicting that, you know, lifting for it and accommodating the lifts that happen ahead of you, you know, the, the, the traffic and check, checkups that happen ahead of you. So it all felt really standard, really normal. Um, you know, Santino Frucci was the car right ahead of me. He was passing Devlin De Francesco. So going into turn one, you know, Francesco obviously has to lift in to merge in and you know there's no way I was going to be able to pass him into one so I had to lift as well otherwise I run in the back of him so you know pretty standard stuff and then halfway through turn one I'm already thinking about trying to get the run and trying to get the pass made on Francesco down to turn three 
and all of a sudden my spotter keys up um, with a a curse word. Um, I want to say it on radio. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to, but um, and I was like, hmm, that's not good. Uh, You know, when your spotter uses that kind of language um, unexpectedly, you know that it can't be good. Um, And then all of a sudden we got hit from behind. So, you know, just really disappointed um, that it happened and disappointed for the whole team, really, because they actually produced an amazing race car, said it all month. This is the best opportunity I've ever had coming out of the 500. And, you know, in an in a instant, that, that was uh, that was taken away. Did you hear from Catherine Legg? Yeah. Yeah, I know. She's reached out and apologized, and, you know, it's um, which I appreciate that. It's just... Uh, <clears throat> You know, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's still disappointing nonetheless. And you know, I, kind of the <clears throat> I don't know if you'd say irony or coincidence in it being that her teammate Graham Rahal, then who had been bounced, that was the big storyline. Um, when Graham became the one to get in your car, Stefan. To me, it felt kind of appropriate because I don't know that people and I and you tell me if I'm exaggerating this. But I don't know that people maybe understand the relationship that Graham had with your brother. And then in addition to that, some of the efforts that he made when your brother passed to kind of help and facilitate for your nieces and your sister-in-law. Did that make it, special is maybe the wrong word, but appropriate that it would be Graham Rahal? Um, yeah, I mean, he, he really did help out so much uh, when we lost Justin, so... You know, honestly, all that decision was made and, and it was all done uh, while I was sort of still out of it, um, you know, getting ready for the surgery. So, you know, when I, once I came through all that, I was um, happy to, to hear that it was Graham. Um, I, I'd exchanged a message with him the night before um, on, on Sunday, Sunday night after the qualifying and after he got bumped and was just expressing how you know, sad I was for him that he missed out and how much it means to him and how, you know, he'll be back stronger. <laughs> and, um, you know, then uh, it sort of, uh, I didn't realize how quick he was going to be back uh, at that point. Um, so, no, it was good. I've known Graham for so many years and he obviously, is, you know, he was going to do a good job for my, for my sponsors and partners that made it all possible. So that was reassuring, you know, that we had someone in the car that, um, is going to do, you know, fill in, fill my shoes pretty easily, you know. Steph, last one for me. Um, I, you know, we're fifty some weeks out, so uh, apologies if you know there's no way to know this for sure. But you, you know, said earlier in the interview that your goal is to drive in the 2024 Indianapolis 500. Whether that's your own physical health or it's just an opportunity question, how realistic do you feel like that is sitting here on June sixth? Um, I'd say pretty realistic, you know, like the sponsor support that we had this year, all the partners were, you know, had, had an amazing experience with what we, what we gave them. And, you know, a lot of them have already expressed that they want to come back. I think we still have to work some details out with, uh, with Dryer and Reinbold. That's the goal is to come back with, with Dryer in the 24, in 2024. So, you know, um, I think there's, there's definitely a few moving pieces and I'm not going to say it's a hundred percent done, but I, I think I feel pretty confident right now that we've got some great support and, um, you know, I, I the job that I did with, with dry mind bolts before the accident, um, they were really happy with. So 
I think there's a lot of momentum behind the whole program right now. And, um, yeah, I would like to say that um, I feel feel good about returning, but you never know with these things. So you go home tomorrow, is that correct? <laughs> Excuse me, is that correct? Uh, I, do we have a post-op surgery, like post-op um, uh, checkup tomorrow, so probably some x-rays to make sure that the surgery is all doing what it's supposed to have done. And um, then we uh, head home on Thursday, head back to Colorado. So, yeah, no, um, excited to get home and, and really start getting back into, you know, uh, normal normal day function. You know? Well, so this is the important thing and the most important part of you, Steph, joining us this morning. Stephan Wilson, our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. And that is the fact that, you know, as you kind of turn the next chapter of this journey, if you will, by go, by assuming that everything goes okay and you head back to Colorado, um, there are a ton of people, fans of the sport, many of which maybe you've never met, that throughout from the accident to the start of the race to now that I think have probably reached out or have simply been pulling for you both inside and outside of the car, and I wanted to give you the platform to be able to speak to them. So the floor is yours. Yeah, well, first off, I you know, really want to say big thanks to all the, the nurses and, and the doctors that took care of me at Methodist, IU Methodist Hospital. Um, everyone was just incredible, even from the IndyCar safety safety team and the IndyCar doctors um, were awesome in taking care of me and, and uh, you know, getting me on the right, the right treatment to, to start this recovery process. And then, you know, the whole IndyCar fan base just really rallied around me, which... Um, you know, in the days after the accident, I could not believe the amount of support that I, I received. And, you know, I don't expect anyone to know who I am. I do one race a year, pretty much in the Indy 500. And, you know, um, I feel very blessed to have that opportunity. Um, but don't expect anyone to know who I am. And, um, the amount of people that reached out and just on social media and then even in the, in the paddock, um, you know, signing the, the, uh, the banner on the garage wall. So that was super cool to see. And, definitely help lift my spirits and you know if anyone else that's going through something similar right now as well like a back injury it's um like i said it's pretty humbling at times but every day it just gets better so and definitely uh, sending some love out to anyone that's uh that's going through it or has gone through it that can relate well steph good luck with the rest of the rehab um and the recovery certainly safe travels back to colorado and i really hope when april or may rolls around next year we're having this conversation. Hell, maybe we're talking to you on Carb Day after the race, whatever, about you participating in the 108th running of the Indianapolis 500. Thanks for the time today. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, catch you soon. Steph Wilson, right there on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Jake goes without saying, uh, rooting interest through the roof for yours truly, and I'm sure yourself as well, and wanting to see Steph Wilson not only taking part in the month of May next year, but ultimately. One of those 11 cars of three coming up uh, next month. You know, he was leading the race on lap 195 five years ago. And I remember uh, he and Jack Harvey both were up towards the front. They'd been cycled up, and they were coming off a caution. And I remember thinking, man, if, if they get another caution here, uh, who knows what can happen. Of course, it didn't happen. Will Power ended up winning the race. But um, you, you heard it there. I mean, just a super nice guy, super friendly guy, and – you know, it's amazing to me. I mean, you lose your brother in racing, you, you, you hurt your back in racing. It's like, these guys are just wired different. Just wired different. And yeah, you just ask why. You know, why him? 
Like why? Why does he get that bad luck? Of all the cars on Monday, crowded racetrack, all the cars. Why him? And I'm sure he probably he probably thinks more. Well, he obviously thinks from a human element. You just heard that. But Jake, there is that racer side of him that is obviously very apparent, and he probably watches that 107th running the 500 and thinks, "Wow, Ryan Hunter Ray got 11th. That's my teammate." You know, I I had a great opportunity. I mean, yeah, Hunter Ray 11th. Not like he started in one of the first three or four rows. Uh, he mentioned that he felt like that was the best opportunity he's had so far in his handful of 500s. So, boy, hope we get to next May and Steph Wilson is in there. There is, and I've mentioned this before, but it, it it's fascinating. It's almost eerie, to be honest. There is a video on YouTube, and I believe it's from the year that Steph Wilson was born, from 1989, um, and it's a go-karting championship. And I'm going to guess that it must have been like 12 and under was probably the age under. So, like, you have kids younger than that, but the oldest age um, was, I think 12 was the maximum age of these go-karters. And it's it's a championship. And it's a guy like with this VHS tape that's videotaping it, and he he's like commentating as he's walking down the grid, and he's introducing the drivers that are in this literally small English town go karting championship. And as he's going down the roster, it's I, I think Jay Howard is in it, Mark Taylor is in it, Jensen Button is in it. One of the youngest drivers, I believe, in it, and I could be wrong in this. Somebody had told me that in that same series was Lewis Hamilton. I didn't see him in that particular video. Uh, But the front row is Justin Wilson and Dan Weldon. Hmm. And at the end of the video, they're just in some dark little room. It looks literally like a kid's birthday party, and they're giving out the trophies. Dan Weldon wins the season championship. Daniel, as they call him, in it. And he goes, Dan Dan Weldon goes up there and looks, he's like a little, he's probably 10 or 11 years old and he's jumping around and um, and Justin Wilson, I believe, won that particular race and Dan Weldon won the championship and both of those awards are presented. And it is both charming and haunting to watch. But Justin Wilson was, when he was a race car driver, in particular an IndyCar literally was not only the nicest human being ever always in a good mood and i never heard the guy complain once but yet he was and any driver will tell you any of those guys that competed against him will tell you that he was as naturally gifted a driver as anybody in the field but i don't know if it was sponsorship or whatever else he just never had a primary ride and people like listen if that guy had driven for roger penske he'd have won the championship with two races to go every season he was an amazing talent Uh, And I think enjoyed being the underdog. And it just is so sad when Justin was killed. It just, I I, I can't emphasize enough how how much it hurt because he was a guy that you always were waiting for racing to finally pay him back. And for him to pass away was just devastating to people. And so you just want so badly for all of that karma to come back and help Steph Wilson. So and maybe it did. Maybe that's maybe the fact that he is going to walk to the airport tomorrow or Thursday and fly home. Maybe that's the karma. I don't know, but you, you root for the guy. Yeah, it's a movie that's had so many bad turns and twists. You hope there's a 
great one. Still coming for Steph Wilson. So safe travels to him back to Colorado, and hopefully we're talking to him next spring in the 108th running of the 500. All right, pop quiz coming up in a few. That is 317-239-1070 for that. Uh, let's begin this morning check down with game two of the Stanley Cup final. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You heard it on these airwaves last night. A lot of goals for Vegas, a lot of fights for both Vegas and Florida. 7 2 winners. Uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights up two games to love in the Stanley Cup final. Most goals ever scored through two games of a Stanley Cup final. That would be 12 goals for Las Vegas. Uh, Again, now the series shifting to Florida for Game 3 coming up on Thursday. 148 minutes of penalties last night. I saw that Brennan King yesterday was um, at a wedding, which is good. right? That means that he didn't have to watch his beloved... Is that a wedding on a Monday? Maybe what? it was from over the weekend. I think I it's know. from over the weekend. Was it over the weekend? You're having a wedding on a Monday. I was about Monday. to say. You're, you're Do they pay well, you to it have a wedding? It wasn't pictures from the wedding. It was a we- uh, pictures of like getting ready for a wedding. You know what I mean? Like a rehearsal dinner or whatever. So yeah, it must have been from the weekend. But you don't I, get a gift if you're having a wedding on a Monday. Hell like, no. I, my no. gift is me being here. Yeah. Regardless, I certainly hope that he's doing okay with the devastation of seeing his... You know what I mean? Hey, you know, series shift into... Fort Lauderdale, hostile, hostile environment in there. Brendan King banging on the glass down there. Uh, we'll see what happens coming up game three. You know, you uh, say series doesn't doesn't start until home team loses. So Boom. Uh, game three of the NBA Finals will be tomorrow night. That is going to be uh, in Miami, of course. Last I saw, Denver a slight favorite as they are coming off their first loss that we've seen here in the postseason in seven games. Uh, I switched already. You want another one? Major today? League Baseball. Did you already give the baseball scores? Uh, I did not. There were know. only four. Reds beat the Braves 2-0. The Padres over the Cubs 5-0. It was Tampa over the Red Sox 4-1. And Houston 11-4 over Toronto yesterday. I think I covers everything, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Indiana State, we know, now on the road to take on TCU in the Super Regional. We'll let you know on dates and times, but we covered a little bit of that earlier, unfortunately. It just seems like, uh, largely out of the kind of the Terre Haute, Indiana State control and the inability to host, they will have the Special Olympics Summer Games and a massive commitment, very understandably, to that this weekend. Um, so that means Indiana State on the road to take on TCU Typically, those games are either Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Again, best of two of three on that. Uh, Indiana's season came to a close last night. They lost 4-2 in Lexington to Kentucky. A pretty intense game. A lot of runners left on base for the Hoosiers, so they bow out in the regional round. All right, it's time for the Pop Quiz. Give us a call, 317-239-1070. Jiffy Lube oil change up for grab. Use. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Studied. Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. I think it's pretty doable. <laughs> I think you say that every morning. No, usually I, I think I provide nice, honest opinion of the pop quiz. This one, I mean, we've certainly said one and two throughout the show, which again, insert your dejection here when you ask the listener, hey, have you been listening today? 
you know, womp, womp, womp. Uh, but I, I think it is manageable. Scotty, would you agree? I'd give it a six. He says a six. Jake, your thoughts? The Colts question is going to trip up some people. Okay. Because I, I will almost guarantee you I know who Eddie? is going to be incorrectly guessed. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, give us a number, Jake, one through eight. Uh, last night was game two of the Stanley Cup final, so we will go two. Two is who, Mark? Steve. Steve! What's up? What's up, Steve? Just working. Oh, nice. What are you What are you doing, Steve? Uh, I drive a fuel truck. Oh, awesome. Now, hold on. Now, the fuel truck, does that mean that like you go and you, you put the gas in the little pumps at the gas stations? Uh, not that kind of truck. I go to uh, construction sites, fuel up uh, construction equipment. Okay. Gosh, I feel like it's a very important piece of equipment that what, you are driving. Or... What's the longest run that you make, like from point A to point B? Um, <clears throat> probably like Noblesville to Plainville, Avon area. Okay, so that's not, okay. How much um, money and gas is in your vehicle on a given run, typically? Uh, I, I hold about 2,000 gallons. Holy cow. Yeah, that's a lot. Man. Stay clear, Steve. Hold hold on. on You're saying that you're transporting 2,000 gallons, or that's your your vehicle runs on 2,000 gallons? I transport 2,000 gallons a day. And that's of gasoline or diesel or? Off-road diesel. Wow. Okay. So what's that usually run a gallon these days, diesel? Uh, Like five, six bucks probably. (laughs) Just hauling around yeah, $10, twelve grand worth of cargo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, we appreciate you taking a little break, giving us a call. Um, Jake, you want to throw number one out? Steve, him? are you native to the area? Are you from Indianapolis? Uh, I live in Broderickville. Yeah. Uh, did you go to Broderickville High School? No, I went to Pendleton. Okay, that's cool. All right, here we go. Uh, what's your favorite establishment in Broderickville? Like, if if we were going to meet for a PBR or a Diet Coke, you would go where in Broderickville? Uh, either Average Joe's or Red Room. No problem there. All right. Nice. I've had some nights at Red Room. Here we go. Question number one for you, Steve. How many games have the Florida Panthers won in their Stanley Cup final franchise history? Nada, one, two, or three? Uh, I'm going to say zero. Okay. I always think the steps to walk up to Red Room could be a bit dangerous (laughs) late at night, Steve. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Red Room was a real swanky place when I was... Really? When it first opened. Uh, yeah. It's still got a little bit of that vibe, or at least I'm not going to act like I've been inside of it in the last three or four years. Uh, okay, number two, Steve. The finals are set at the Women's College World Series in Oklahoma City this week. Name the two teams that will be playing for the college softball's national championship. Oklahoma and Florida State. Oh, my goodness. How did you know that? Did you listen to the show, or are you betting yeah. on college softball? No, I listened to the show. Look at that. All right, question three, Steve. I want them to go fight. By the way, five. since you've listened to the show, which of the two of us do you think would be more fun to have the PBR with? That would be me, Jake, or Kevin. He knows to feed the ego where to go. Uh, yeah, I feel like Jake would be a good one, but Kevin, me and you could talk Notre Dame all day. Steve, I love it. I love it. I love it. And there would be a back and forth. If you went with the beer with Jake, it'd be a lot of just listening. <laughs> I mean... Can you blame anybody that would want to do that? A lot right, here of we nodding, go. a lot of like, where's the exits uh-huh. here? How do I get out of here? <laughs> yeah. I love Check me please. some me, man. 
You know, the, the best thing that I have is that every time I go out for a, a beer by myself, I'm with my best friend. Okay, uh, Gardner Minshew appears to be the Colts' starting quarterback for the upcoming season over rookie Anthony Richardson. I have no idea why Scotty is insinuating that, but there we go. Who is the last rookie not named Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck to start a game for the Colts? The last rookie not named Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck to start a regular season game for the Colts. Is it Sam Ellinger, Curtis Painter, Paul Justin, or Chris Chandler? I'm going to say Ellinger. Probably wrong. <laughs> Scotty, do you know something there with the Minshew appears to be the starting cube? That, that's making... Um, you want another guess, Steve? Uh, what were the choices again? Uh, Sam Ellinger, Curtis Painter, Paul Justin, or Chris Chandler? Curtis Painter. Go ahead, Kip. Since you two are BFF, you guys just go ahead and carry on. I'm so happy about S- Sam Hartman here, Steve. We can talk, talk about that uh, offline here. Okay, number four, uh, Andrew Abbott, Major League debut for the Reds. One hit over six innings last night. The Reds won 2-0 over the Brewers. Since the pitching mound was moved to its current distance in 1893. Dear Lord. Only one other Reds pitcher went six or more innings while allowing one or fewer hits in his debut. She used to have his jersey. Was it A, Homer Bailey, B, Ewell Blackwell, C, Johnny Cueto, or D, Jim Maloney? Homer Bailey. Had a t-shirt jersey of this guy. Big old wind-up. Similar problems uh, to Steph Wilson, right? What was the third one? At times. A Johnny Cueto was C. Let's do that one. Huh. Okay, last question. 79 years ago today, the Normandy invasion took place in World War II. What baseball Hall of Famer participated in the D-Day invasion of France on June 6th of 1944? Gil Hodges, Yogi Berra, Bob Feller, or Warren Spahn? Yogi Berra. Nice. Good work there, Steve. By the way, I just realized, so today is June 6th. Uh, how about happy birthday to one Karen Quarry? Oh, my mom! Just realized today. Jeez, mom's- Jake, I just send realized. Text. Well, my my whole family's on vacation. They're all out of town. Um, but my mom's birthday. I didn't realize today's the sixth until just then. You care to share a number for Karen? Eighty. Not wow. My mom's first birthday was D Day. Really? Wow. Yep. Where are they? Uh, Hilton Head. Nice. I love Hilton Head. Nice, nice, nice. All right, Steve. Uh, great effort. Uh, what do you get? Four of them. But Jake, you were all over this. You said the loud course. and proud. You the one the that question would the, be the one that up. tripped him up. Curtis Painter is such an obvious guess. He gives the first one Ellinger. I know. Well, that is too actually. Paul Justin. <clears throat> Paul Justin, who was the starting quarterback when the Colts stunned the Green Bay Packers at the RCA Dome, but I don't think that was Packers in his rookie suck. year. Uh, that was later. But Paul Justin started one game in his rookie season of 1995. What year or uh, what round was he drafted? Was he even a draftee? I'll look it up. They started an undrafted new. He was a big dude. I think was it Lindy Infante or yeah, it was Infante loved him. I thought. Wait a minute here. So that was the year that they went to the AFC title game, yep. and Paul Justin started the first game. No, started eight one game. Oh, got it, got it, got it. I was thinking Paul, it was the opener. Wait, I think he played at Arizona State. Am I right yep. in that? 
I'm seeing Paul Justin was with the Bears in 91. Yeah, it says it says he was with the Bears, the Arizona Rattlers, the Frankfurt Gal- Galaxy, and then the Colts. Selected by the Bears in the seventh round of the 91 draft here. Uh-oh, Uh-oh. Scotty. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Steve. Steve might need to call back here. Hold on. He was selected by the Bears in the seventh round of, of the 91 draft and waived on August 26th. He was cut on August 31st. I mean, to me, that still defines I, his rookie with Scotty year. I think once you put on an NFL jersey and you experience it if in you, practice, if you're not, that if you counts. don't, if you're not in a game, though, this is some shady integrity with the pop. I'm defending <laughs> my Notre Dame fan and Steve here. I Mark. Well, you two could just go to the red room and have a beer and just we commiserate will. about we it. Well, yes. garter afterward. Uh, what? Jeez, Mark. What? Uh, let's start at Average Joe's and then. Go to Red Room after that. Mark, whose side are you on here? That seems a little integrity, very murky there. That seems like an asterisk at least. Scotty's going to be talking about this in the break He's for the next two years. Tires. All right, well, we'll round it out one final time, Eric, Kevin, and Corey. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is going to stun you, I realize, considering that I just two hours and 30 minutes into the day realize it's my mom's 80th birthday today. Um... Can I confess to you guys an area that is totally confusing to me, and I need one of the two of you to use your superior intellect to explain it to me? Oh, boy. I, I, I love the Indy Star. I was an Indianapolis news honor carrier back in the day. I, I have always found the people's work at the Star to be important here in town. Um, but they are in labor dispute, whatever you want to call it, with Gannett, the parent company that owns the Star. Certainly understand that, and I support them in their efforts. But their means of speaking out is the writers are all keeping their name off the byline of their story. And doesn't that actually support Gannett? Like, in other words, I, I don't understand the the most protests. I understand the symbolism of it, right? But are you basically saying to the parent company, "We want you so much to see how important we are that we're willing to actually then just anonymously turn in all of our work, which then allows Gannett to go see"? It doesn't matter who's writing it. Yeah, I'm a little confused on it as well. Mark, you said Greg Dole was on vacation all week? Yeah, he's out. Uh, we were going to have Greg on the show yesterday, but and I was honestly going to ask him about it, um, provide a little bit of education behind it. Yeah, it seems like the work is still getting done, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if you're Gannett, the, the whole point being that I, I would think that as an employee, you are saying, I want my employer to value me as an employee. Yeah, as a name, not a number in an Excel Correct. document. Correct. Yeah. So by removing your name, you are, in fact, showing to them that interchangeably you are all the same. I was waiting kind of all day yesterday for, like, someone to release a little bit more detail on why they were taking this particular stance, and I, I, I didn't see anything on that front, so... Yeah, but I'll, I'll continue looking at that. But good luck. I, I know that Gannett has slashed so many, particularly like smaller newspapers. You know, maybe not necessarily, I mean, yes, the Indy Stars had some of it, uh, but some smaller papers around the state, and uh, especially for those local communities. I know it's a huge, huge deal, and I'm very reliant on the Indy Star and enjoy my 
subscription to the star and obviously several of their employees benefit us and our listeners i hope uh from a guest standpoint uh was thinking about some names jake and and again we'll see how the day plays out and how the week plays out with isaiah rogers and the gambling violation that the nfl is looking into reportedly um for rogers again he released a statement late last night pretty much acknowledging it and apologizing for it Uh, but certainly league-wide punishment what will happen there you know is this an isolated incident Um, the types of bets he was placing this suspension length you know, Juju Brents, the Warren Central product, taken in the second round, he is a guy that would greatly benefit from this. I mean, you probably could have thought he was going to be a day one starter as well. The other name that I keep on mentioning in this rookie draft class that I think has benefited greatly from not only being drafted by the Colts, where the cornerback room is really vacant, he also was able to practice early on in the spring. He wasn't out there on Friday, but he was able to practice early on in the spring and get reps ahead of Juju Brents, who is still recovering from a wrist injury. And now, you know, this Rodgers situation where if these reports are true, he might have just played his last game as a Colt. I think Darius Rush out of South Carolina uh, could majorly benefit from this. Tall, long corner, converted wide out. You know, not a great tackler. That's probably why he fell a little bit to round five. Um, but had some really nice moments in starting for South Carolina the last two years. Um I think he could be one that maybe isn't a household name on June 6th, but come September 6th, October 6th, he could be playing a pretty big role for you from day one. There are several guys that are probably going to get a big opportunity here, right? And and do you sign a veteran corner? You know, we saw a veteran wideout sign yesterday in Paraman. We saw a defensive end sign last week. Again, early June, that's when some of this some of these types of moves happen. I'm good with the positions that don't impact Anthony Richardson directly, I'm good with youth, but you'd be going a whole lot of youth at corner. I mean, and that's Kevin, my patented line. Somebody actually tweeted this the other day, and I could not have been more proud. Um, Offensive line and defensive backs, cell phones and sunglasses, you can never have too many. Ever, ever, ever have too many. So, yes, Cell Should, phones. I, I cell phone I, chargers. I sorry, oh, cell phone so chargers. Sorry. Cell phone chargers and sunglasses. You can never have too many, right? Like yeah. it's just constant. You're constantly losing them, breaking them, misplacing them. What? I just you're just constantly replacing them, and that's how linemen and, and corners are. It, defensive back to me is fascinating, Kevin. Not only because from a health standpoint and just a shelf life standpoint, but I also think it's the most mental position in football. Yeah, you got to have a lot of ability to move on the next play yeah and i think there are a lot of guys that that it's kind of like a goaltender in hockey like a guy gets hot for a while there right and just becomes like a kenny moore is a prime example he was like a shutdown corner for a while there and then like what happened rocky scene you know got really grabby you know for that month month and a half stretch at one point in his career uh, maybe even a little bit longer than that so when you show that on tape you know teams are going to pick on you and obviously the pass happy nature to the nfl you see more and more of that Really enjoyed that conversation with Zaire Franklin earlier. Mark, do you do you have either of those clips? Yeah. Um, which one do you think is more relevant, Franklin on Rogers or Franklin on the education of gambling? Um. Well, let me let me pull them up real quick. Okay. Guys, guys. I, I so, think the first one when he was asked about Isaiah Rogers specifically, I think his answer was as you would expect. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, maybe let's go with that education one because I am curious a little bit more on that front. You know, 
how much these players feel like they've been educated. From the outsider's point of view, while it looks a little awkward and certainly is, the NFL is in bed with these gambling partners and their sports books attached to a couple of NFL stadiums and all of that, I do think the rules and the education is there for players and they know what is right and what is wrong with that. We asked Zaire Franklin earlier, Colts captain, about that aspect to the league's uh, gambling policy. Yeah, so, um, you know, not to really get too much into it, but, um, you know, this year we had a, a meeting uh, with kind of, with compliance, um, kind of just talking about, uh, you know, the do's and don'ts. Um, you know, I think it was just a lot of gray and maybe a little misunderstanding in some areas, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, what, like what a sports book is. And, you know, I got guys, and nobody even knows what a sports book is, you know what I mean? So, like, just kind of clarifying, like, stuff like that. Um, and just kind of talking through the guidelines of, you know, what we can and can't do as professional athletes and as members of the NFL. So um, they're doing their best to get the information out. Obviously, the PA is being very active, um, you know, with our reps coming into the locker room, having those conversations with the entire group and one-on-one combos in the, in the locker room as well. So, um, like I said, it's a new it's a new phase. It's a new element to the game. Um, and with that new element, we got to, you know, be conscious of the new guidelines and the new, um, you know, different things that kind of come along with that Kevin I'm going to go back to what I said repeatedly this morning Isaiah Rogers certainly as an athlete that played division one athletics and in the NFL has been repeatedly warned about told about advised about the policies when it comes to gambling gambling on the NFL etc I also understand I don't excuse but I understand why a person in their early to mid-20s who is making, by American standards, a very high percentile level of money would, even with all of those warnings, say to themselves in their mind, yeah, but I make a million and a half dollars a year and I'm betting 50 bucks. That's the nickel slots to most people. That's the penny slots in the airport in Vegas when you get off the plane, right? And you're like, eh, I mean, whatever. And so I understand why Isaiah Rogers would have a difficulty grasping the fact that even in the most minuscule level of things, for him, it is not minuscule to others. And I do think that it is entirely possible that more will come out and we'll find out that this was more than just a $25 or $50 bet here or there. It was There were apparently hundreds was the number used of bets. When you consider the amount of money that is made in the NFL, when you consider the desensitized nature of gambling in general in the American culture, and you consider that the NFL has sponsored partnerships now with different sports gambling apps, I understand how a player would be naive to thinking through the overall implication of their actions in this regard. But in particular, if he is wagering on Colts games, then it's not about what games he's wagering on or the fact that he's wagering on his team. It's about what happens when he's not wagering on his team and what that implies to people, number one. But number two, again, I'm going to say, it's like if you are a bartender, everybody else in the bar is allowed to drink. 
and you are the one that's actually providing the beverages to them. But if you get caught drinking while you're on the job, and that's been specifically stated that that your owner doesn't want that to happen, there is penalty for that, despite the fact that you are in a culture where it is embraced and accepted by everyone else. Those are harsh realities to learn for a young player, and one that it's very easy for us as the average man to say that they should be aware of, but it's where we are. And I do believe that this is probably something that we're going to find to be more I, I just I think we're going to see more this happen with more and more players to be honest. Well, we already have. I mean, the Lions had Correct. five players. You know, this is we've there's been Calvin several Ridley. teams. Calvin Ridley last year, Washington, I believe, had a player as well. Um, yeah, I just you know there are times when you're driving, you don't agree that whatever the speed limit's 35, but if you go 53, you're playing with fire. And clearly, Rogers knew what he was doing was wrong. If you believe the report, he had an associate's name on the account, so he clearly understood that aspect to it and still decided to do what he did to me it's just a level of stupidity that um i i I would go ahead and cut him if i were the colts and i'm sure they're just waiting to kind of get all the information make sure everything they have and i don't know what more information they need though he admitted to it last night right but i guess just you know let the legal matter kind of play out and i i say legal more from a just let everything play out and then make the decision as is one year left on his contract here, scheduled to make a little bit over $2 million, and again was in line, or I should still talk in the present tense, in line for a huge, huge opportunity here in his fourth NFL season. Uh, thank you to Zaire Franklin. Thank you to Steph Wilson. Both of those podcasts will be up. Enjoyed both of those conversations. Covered a lot with each of them. Again, shout out to Indiana State. We'll find out exactly when that Super Regional is going to start with TCU coming up later this week and a big group workout for the Pacers here over at the St. Vincent Center later today. Everybody, enjoy this Tuesday. It looks to be another nice day in Indianapolis. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Kevin Aquari signing off.